2: Good morning, good evening folks, and uh, welcome to episode 40, yes, the magic 4-0 of Dude and a Monkey. Uh, I'm uh, steering the ship this week, uh, I'm Mark Foster, hello everybody, uh, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host.
0: Ian morning. a tip folks, never ever ever buy B&Q own brand paint, four coats, and it's not
2: that. Oh, bad that's, what, what colour have you gone for? Extra.
0: guys. It's it's just the coving in, the, in the, like towards the top of the ceiling in the kids' room. Literally four fucking coats, and I'm still gonna need to do I think two oh, more.
2: Six coats. That and that that coving is one of the shitty bits, isn't it as well? It's not even the oh. end of it, It's just a fucking wall. <laughs>
0: And the paint's dripped down a bit as well, so now we're going to have to get another, like, another tub of the other colour that we painted the walls just to touch up those spots. Oh,
2: why don't you try and see if you can get a tester pot?
0: That that was yeah. my plan. That's my plan. I'm going to get a tester pot or two and I think that's going to do it, so. But, fucking know, we're getting there. And we ordered the wrong, well, I ordered the wrong fucking car seat for the bloody pram. Sorry about to retard. It, got that, have you ever you know, got that started? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, like we've shipped it back to John Lewis, and like they should take the return. The only thing we're worried about is that there's a bit of scratching on it from when I was trying to ram it into the fucking stroller. Going, this should be fitting.
2: oh <laughs> so you've, you've you've had a frustrating week, I'll say.
0: <laughs> Mate, I, t- I, I, I tell you what, yeah, I'm just like had a dickhead on on the phone at work today. Really, really not. Anno- yeah, I'm ready to ready to talk some films. So I tell well, you that. Well,
2: um, coming up um, in this show, we have. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, too. Um, both me and Ian were huge fans of the original. Uh, there's a different team on board this time, uh, and can they recreate the magic? Uh, then we're going to hop into the penultimate film in our a night, marathon, night marathon on Elm Street, uh, where we're joined by a guest, Mr Noel Mellor. Uh, then we're going to chat some one old, one new, and then we're going to go back in time again, because we have already recorded the bits with uh, the wonderful no Mellor, um, to the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street, which is our final part of our Nightmarathon on Elm Street Marathon. Um, we're we'll also probably going to tangent a little bit, then we're going to do some Twitter questions, and I want to uh, rant about an article uh, that was brought to my attention, funnily enough, by Mr. Norbella. Um But, Ian, have you got anything to add before we delve into some trailers?
0: No, man, let's go. Fucking, let's let's, right. go. let's Ian, go. Um, go.
2: What trailers have you seen this week?
0: Rito. Um, so, yes, I saw the. First trailer for Cats in America: The Winter Soldier, which I look, I, I think looks cracking. It looks, again, it looks like Marvel are doing something different and good on them. And uh, yeah, why not? Um, first trailer for DreamWorks Animation, Mister uh, Mister Peabody and Sherman, which I I won't be seeing in the cinema, but I, I imagine that that'll be entertaining. The little one at some time over the next couple of years, so I'll probably it get just, to that, it. That
2: just strikes me. I saw that and thought, do you know what? I don't think there's anybody anybody out there that has that, that ever said, do you know what I wish they'd do? I wish they'd make a, a modern version of Mr. Peabody and Sherman.
0: It's just, it's such a kind of a US-only pop culture thing yeah. as well. It, it's, I, I just don't, I, I don't know, that, that, that trailer, I mean, it looks quite fun, but I don't know what kid watches that and goes, I really want to mm. see that.
2: Yeah, it's a strange one, that.
0: Yeah, um, but I I don't know. I mean, like I say, it'll be one I watch on Netflix or whatever in a couple of years' time. Uh first teaser for X Men Days of Future Past, which, um I mean, they I, I think they need to put a moratorium on the sunshine music now. Uh, as much as I love sunshine. It's uh yeah. Um but I I, I don't know. It, I think it it's quite an evocative teaser. I like how quiet it is, um and you know, why not? Um it kind of looks like that's gonna be Almost like it's going to be the film that that kind of ends this run of just X Men films. Generally, it looks like it's like unless McAvoy and Fastbender are tied into free picture deals, it, 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 you know, and I mean like Jackman's already hinted that he might be retiring Wolverine. I yeah, you know, I reckon this is going to be the end of this. Of this song. Yeah, it,
2: it would make sense the fact that it, it, it's it's singer doing it. Um, Yeah. And if it is, and they are going to end it, and they're going to say, right, that's it for this, you say for this generation of of these, of these characters. I mean, eventually it's the melding of the two generations of characters. Um, Then it 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 has a it could be a pretty fucking epic film. Um, But then again, when you're using that music, it's gonna make anything feel epic.
0: Yeah, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, I'm very, very much looking forward to it. It's obviously going to be a a cinema watch for me. So, yeah. And um, I uh, actually probably the final one, uh, the trailer that kind of came out overnight in the UK, um, the uh, feature trailer for The Wolf of Wall Street, which looks Mm. great. (laughs) It just, you know, there's there's What else can you say? It looks cracking. And people like belly aching about the length and whatnot. If Scorsese wants to make a two-hour, 45-minute
2: film, let him. I don't... <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, for God's sake, Casino is, is, is three hours long. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, there's a, there's a lot of Scorsese movies that are two and a half hours, and I can't think of a single one where I've been sat there going, I wish this was 20 minutes shorter. Uh, no. I don't know, Wolf four Street might be different, but fuck it. If every couple of years I get a Scorsese movie and it's two and a half hours long, Fuck it, I'm done with. I'm I'm down with that. That looks like it's going to be a blast. Yeah,
0: definitely, man. I, I'm very, very, very much looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, that that I think that was pretty much it. That's,
2: uh, I, I have I have not not others to add. They're pretty much the ones. Um, I I've seen. Uh, I've seen a lot of the little spot teasers for the Lego Movie. Uh, very much looking forward to to that. Looks like it could be a hell of a lot of fun. Um, one I, I will say uh, I saw trailer for in the cinema actually two I saw traded for Frozen which is the new uh, Disney animation. Um,
0: Did you see the the one with the um the ice the the moose versus or whatever the fuck it is versus the yeah. snowman? Yeah yeah I saw that. I'm
2: trying to yeah, um, yeah. You know what I enjoyed Tangled so um you know. Isabel said she wanted to see it, so I've I've no problem with taking Isabel to see it in in December.
0: Oh, I I saw one other, sorry, um, and I actually saw it twice. When
2: I uh, is it is it based on a ITV TV show? Yeah, it, yeah either, I either. saw it as well. Um, yeah, the Harry Hill movie, which which motherfucker greenlit that.
0: Thing is. I used to like Harry Hill back in the day, like when he had the show on Channel Four in the early days of TV. Burp, when it was genuinely fuck, just weird. Uh, I, I, I was just like, yeah, why not? This really, really looks. It it looks kind of like the Keith Lemon. on not the audience is thick as shit? It just, Let's show the. You know what this. it
2: looks like? It looks like. Jackass for people who don't know what comedy is. Just yeah,
0: it looks cheap as shit. Sorry,
2: that's not a film. That is not a film. A essentially a feature length with probably the lamest fucking thread through story they can fucking think of. Um, Just because it's released in a cinema, that's not a film. And anybody who goes to see it, you are essentially wasting your money.
0: Yeah, it just I think it comes out around Christmas and there's an awful lot of good looking stuff around Christmas. And I suppose even though I suppose I think Frozen must be coming out in December, but there's not an awful lot for kids if I remember correctly. I mean there's The Hobbit um but then what else is that? I'm trying to think what comes out on Boxy Day. Walking with Dinosaurs. Yeah, actually, I saw the season trailer for Walking with Dinosaurs 3D. I'd rather go and see yeah. that than the fucking Harry Hill. Yeah, I, film. well,
2: without. without I, I won't be going to see it because I would take Isabel, but um, Becky's parents are taking Isabel because they actually took her to the. You know, the, the, the big sort of theatre production of Walking with Dinosaurs.
1: Oh, so okay. uh,
2: they want to take her to that. So. I, I, it's not the sort of thing I'd go on my own, but if anyone wanted to go and see it, I'd, I'd happily go and go and see it with her. Whereas I did actually go and see Cloudy with Chance of Meatballs with Isabel, uh, but I'd have happily yeah. gone to see it on my own. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, yeah. segues as nicely.
0: Nice. Um,
2: so yeah, uh, we're gonna play a quick, well not a quick trailer, whatever however long it is. I don't know, probably two and a half minutes uh, trailer to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs two, uh, and then we're gonna get into a, a discussion on whether we thought. It was any good and whether it could touch the
0: original Flint? Sam, big news. I'm going back to Swallow Falls to destroy the Flintstoner, which is creating deadly
1: food monsters when you're trying to learn to swim so they can attack Lady Liberty!
0: I'm coming. What? Wait! Sam, it's going to be deadly dangerous with a good chance of death. And that's why we'll need help.
1: When we land at Swallow Falls,
0: our first objective is to get to my lab. I can use my old computer to pinpoint the Flint Suppleners' location. Once we find it, we'll shut it down. And ho! If we all work together, this should be easy as... time. I can't believe my machine created all of this.
2: It's enough to make a grown man cry. Are those shrimp pansies?
0: Butter.
1: Look, mosquitoes. Uh. Spirky. Oh, what's that over there? That's just a tomato. This September, did you hear something? What's that? Taco dial, supreme. No picnic.
2: Hold on, everyone! There's a leak in the boat.
0: Ah! Saving the world.
1: No, no. I like them too. Fine. No, no. Off. Off, mine. No. Almost there.
0: Wow. That is the biggest strawberry I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. Ah! You scared the jelly out of him. <laughs> Water this is totally bananas! You guys, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, we'll be thankful we didn't run into a... Cheese spider! Right. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, too. Tripansy! Steve!
1: Tripansy! Steve! Tripansy! Steve! <laughs>
2: Okay, so that was a trailer for *Cloudy The Chance of Meatballs 2. Uh, It sees the um, new directors of Cody Cameron and Chris Pan. Uh, you also got new screenwriters, which is John Francis Daly, Jonathan Goldstein, and Eric... Um, I think he did bits of rewriting, um, but John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, I think, are the main writers. They also wrote Horrible Bosses and The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. Is it? Is that right? Have I said that right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, basically, gist of the story is flip that word. Um, the machine, the uh, that he invented, um, has continued um, to produce food, but this food has evolved and has become a life form and. Swallow Falls has essentially been taken over by these life forms um, and there is a, a evil evildoer called Chester V who happens to be Flintlockwood's hero uh, who is trying to do something sinister with it. Uh, that is about the gist. Uh, Ian, what did you think of Cloudy Chance of Meatballs 2?
0: I I enjoyed yeah. it. Um we, you know, which is which is good. It's um, a start. But beyond,
1: it's a so, start.
0: It is a start. Beyond that, I I don't I think it's going to be the shortest review we've ever done. Um, I don't think there's an awful lot to it, to be honest. The thing is, the first one based on a book and also written and directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who you know they're doing the Lego Movie. They did Twenty One Jump Street. They're doing Twenty Two Jump Street at the moment. I think they're shooting yeah. that. Uh, And I think it misses their brand of incongruous oddness uh, and and surreality. Hmm. I also think that the the plot kind of thematically does the first one again. Uh, It's basically Flint doing his thing to the detriment of those around him. And then a spoiler alert, realizing that those around him can actually help, you know, that, that it's, that's kind of all there is to it though. This time you don't have Bruce Campbell as the bad guy. You've got Will Forte putting in one of the most innocuous bad guy vocal performances. I think you could ever get in a CG film. I, I think that it is very funny in spots and it's very colourful but it was a disappointment personally.
2: Um yeah I, I can kind of mirror the same things. I I did I did enjoy it. Um yeah overall I you know I I, I enjoyed it. Um but what what I got and I'm, this is going this is going to sound really fucking strange. um, I remember, we're all spoilers all the time. Uh, but then again, going to call the Chance and Meatballs too, you pretty much know what to expect. But, and, and, and you have to bear with me a second on this, my issue I had with it is the first one was very charming, and it had all of that, and it, it was very bouncy, and I'd laugh, and it was, a, it was, a, it was just there was so many jokes that the more you watch it, the more jokes you pick out. Um, and this... It, it had that that bounce of jokes, but it had them in, in bursts. So you'd have a 10-minute period where there was a lot of jokes, and then you'd have a 10-minute period where there was plots, and then you'd have a 10-minute period where there's a lot of jokes. But this felt too out of the realms of reality, which I know sounds very strange with the first one being essentially about a machine that starts raining food. Mm. But Stuff like the ridiculous movements of Chester V, and the you know the the quite obvious piss take of um, of Apple with the um, car and like the the yeah. tubes that went up that that you got around the office with, and you know when you walked in the, there wasn't really a door; it was just this you know it was like a digital sort of wall and stuff like that. It all felt a little bit like. This is it's it's too it's too far one way away from because like I say, *Clash of the is not based in any kind of form of reality. But it, it it's
0: And in fairness, the way Bruce Campbell's character moves around the screen does ape the arm movements of. It does, of but he,
2: he, he, uh, his was constantly all of the time. It, it, it sure. was constantly going on, so it was quite distracting because you're going. Could you just stand still for just like a second? You don't have to do that. And it just, it, 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 it felt very much like um, the writers had sat down with Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs and had tried to write a sequel to Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs 2 rather than trying to write a new Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs film. They, they, they very much had a set formula for how they were going to do it, and that's what they stuck to, and that's what they did.
0: Yeah, they, that that is the word formula. Mm. It, it it is like the first one came out as just like a bizarre. What the fuck was that? Which didn't feel like it it was adhering to any kind of structure really, apart from being a ninety minutes kids mm. film. It, I mean, that's all there was. I mean, there's some w- straight up weird shit in the first Cloudy of a Chance of Meatballs. This one, it is, uh, like, Kermode says this a lot, it is, like, slot A into tab Mm. B. It it is doing that kind of stuff, but with food puns. One also, I will also mention as well, I made up in my head, just in watching the marketing, a better pun, I, I genuinely think, and so did Donna, than one of the, the foodimals in Go on, what was it? You know the uh, Taco yeah. Dial? For some reason, in my head, he was called the Tacosaurus Mex. Oh, that is
2: so much better. That is so much better.
0: I, I and I literally, I was all waiting throughout the entire film to see if anyone mentioned the Tacosaurus Mex, because I was just like, I cannot have actually, I, I you know, Far being for me to say that I could have written a better screenplay, I'm not saying that. I think I could have come up with a better pun than the Taco Dial. It,
2: it just seems like, yeah, with stuff like that, they went, what can we call this? Uh, taco Dial. Yes. Boom, Boom, done. John, move on. What can we call this? Uh, Cheese Spider. Which, Which it, it, right, for a start off, it's a it doesn't it make doesn't, that much like, sense, doesn't, does it? Because it's, cause cheese is one really thin piece of, of that entire yeah. thing. You know, um, I'm sure given ten, fifteen minutes, you know, a, a fairly intelligent, paid writing comedian could come up with a better idea than cheese pie. You may as
0: well. What about a pieder? A pie with massive yeah. legs.
2: Yeah, it just, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just there was. I didn't like the strawberry with the face.
0: I like the I so- with the face. Even though, again, in my head, he was called Barry and not... No, Gary and not Barry. And I think Gary the strawberry is a better name than Barry the yeah, strawberry. Yeah, well, uh,
2: the, the only real things that I actually liked that I, are the sort of the characters that I really sort of... The new characters that they brought in that I really liked were the pickles. The pickles were
0: the pickle good. Was- they were the one... Like kind of, they they were the one creation of this film that felt like they would have been in place in the first yes. one because they're just yeah odd. They're,
2: they're odd and they're slightly adorable. Like the fact that, the, that he takes them fishing and once he tells them that they can catch once they see that they can catch a sardine, they they, they all just start fishing properly and they've got very pronounced movements. And there's that one that just keeps on eating the bait. Just and, yeah. and at every point in the rest of it, he's just there, like slapping his hand in and just slapping it into his mouth. And I, I like those. I could, you know, I could have spent more time with with those guys. Um, and and I'll be honest, I could have spent less time with the characters from the first film.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, here's another, uh, yeah, I mean that's the thing as well. It, it is a large group of core mm. characters, and there are some that don't do many. Andy Sambo's character should not have been in this film. He added nothing. No. It, 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 uh, and he's just annoying. Yeah, he was. There was, there was too much Steve. I well, I'm not gonna.
2: I like that. I like Steve. Love Steve as a character, but the fact is that he, he was it, it was it was very much like the guy, Right, Steve was really proper in the first one, so we need to have more Steve, and it just got a little bit of overkill for me. It well,
0: Yeah, we're always gonna disagree on that <laughs> point. But fair
2: enough. Um, and there was. There wasn't enough... um, There wasn't enough Flint. He he was always... It was always Flint. was never enough of of his character. There was just a lot of him on screen. Sure. I just didn't... I didn't dislike it, but... If I'm sat looking at my blu rays and I've got Clarity the Chance of Meatballs... Or Clarity the Chance of Meatballs 2... And I think, right, I want to watch Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I'm never going to go, I want to watch Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs too.
0: Cloudy with Chance of Meatballs is a film that I own on, 3- on 3D Blu-ray, and I'm happy to. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 is a film that I'll see on Netflix at some point. And like if the little one shows interest, I'll show, I'll show yeah, it. Yeah, I, I might. That, if anyone wants
2: it, I'll buy it for Isabel. But it will probably, like you said, for me as well, be a Netflix watch. It's definitely not shit. It, 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 it. Yeah, I, I don't want to seem like yeah. we've been down it, on it, but we but we are a little bit. But
0: it's definitely not shit. It's just I I just expected better. Yeah, I mean, it's just the first one's great. The first one is brilliant, and and I mean, like it just the, I don't know. I mean, like the fact that this film is subtitled "Revenge of the Leftovers," it should. It should be better than what it is, even though it's all right. I,
2: also, as well, I have, a, I have a real problem with... There's two things in comedy I have a problem with. One is films that explain their own jokes, which Cloud of the Test Meatballs 2 doesn't really do. But what it, the other thing it does do is jokes... Th- there are jokes that are continuous. For instance, in the th- first uh, Cloudy the Test Meatballs, um, the fact that the machine was called the Flunner was repeated. But it yeah. was... And then, but then the problem is that was then repeated, like repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated in this film to the point of where it stopped being funny. Uh, but they also the there's a leak in the boat. That joke was told twice in the film. It is a good. It's pun, a good though. pun, but it's like it, when I heard it the second time, I was like. Mm, you've, you've already done that one. We've already yeah. done
1: this. Yeah. No, that's right, right, another
2: is. fucking joke. So, definitely not shit, but uh, if you're expecting, if you've not seen Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs, then watch that instead of this.
0: Uh, yeah, oh, totally. Jesus, yeah, fucking right.
2: Cool. Right. Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to uh, play some promos and then we're going to go back, back, in time to Sunday morning and we're going to have the penultimate review of our Nightmarathon on Elm Street which is a new nightmare.
0: Yay!
1: It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals.
0: For the sake to manage you'd love it.
1: In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything.
2: Action. Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if
1: I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> and romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Meller presents... You're the problem, you little shit! The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Join me, Noel Meller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of x rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them the adventures in vhs podcast thank you have a nice day download today from itunes by searching for adventures of vhs or visit adventures of vhs.com are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement i mean
2: the main the main characters are two of the dullest main characters i have ever encountered in any film
0: well you're in luck
1: let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen, in perplexed and horrified terror, as we tear apart one film a week.
2: It just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I no, just just getting confirmation. That's the third time though. I mean, I must. Is this on. You can find us at
1: chinstrokerversuspunter.dot.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If
0: you could. Any man in film, who would it be and why?
1: My answer is Lance Henriksen.
0: He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody... He looks like somebody who can keep keep a secret.
1: Hi, I'm Sarah from GorePress.com and along with my co-host Phil, we present the GorePress Gorecast. But Sarah, what is the GorePress Gorecast? Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another go- Oh, for fuck's sake, no, that is not helping! That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it?
2: It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what
1: we've watched recently and selflessly plumb the depths of B-movie hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well, that just sounds dandy. Where could I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new Press Gorecast in iTunes or you can find us at gorepress.com.
2: So much knowledge about this film.
1: Market, common mark.
2: I'm doing a film about my nightmares as I'm dreaming them. In order for the movie to continue, it, it was dependent on me having more nightmares. Well, fortunately, I did. I'm a little frightened by what Wes may have tapped into. I frankly felt that it was over when we did the last, the final nightmare. In a town
1: where movies go over schedule, and directors go over budget, something far more evil is out of control.
2: horror film suffered its own terror today as two of hollywood's best known special effects technicians were found dead
1: part of the theme of the movie is becoming like part of the making of the movie
2: can you come with me i think that only happens in the movies what happens when the story dies, the evil is set free. Now that the films have ended, the genie's out of the bottle. That's what the nightmares are telling me, and that's what I'm writing. This is still a script we're talking about, right, Wes? We've decided to cross over, out of films, into our reality. The only way to stop them is to make another movie. Oh, my God.
0: The bad man's getting awful close. You're gonna have to make a choice.
2: What kind of choice? Whether or not you're willing to play Nancy one last time. No! 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 Mommy! Cut the effect! Isn't there somebody who can stop him? That person's you. Who I mean? It was you that gave Nancy her strength. Nancy. Oh. Where's my dog? Hello people, we have travelled back in time to Sunday because we recorded the rest of the show on Wednesday and we've travelled back in time and on our way back we have picked up a guest uh, would everyone like to welcome Mr Papamella?
1: Hello, it's a pleasure to be here um, sucking down a big massive coffee because I've been awake all night so I'm, uh, I'm a bit dozy
2: Yes. Um. Uh, we are going to discuss uh, the both nightmares. We are joined by Noel. Um. Noel, you are a huge Elm Street fan, aren't you? Uh, I seem to remember. Didn't you at one point
1: have the original Elm Street poster in your bathroom? Yeah, it's in, yeah. It's uh, it's in here somewhere. It's been replaced by a weird science poster, but um, it's tucked away somewhere. Yeah. I am a massive, massive, unapologetic. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street fan and always have been that for me they're the sort of they are the horror franchise like you know I know some people will obviously prefer the Fridays or the uh, or the Halloween series but for me I just I've, I grew up with this series and and I've loved listening to you to cover them on this show as well because I feel like I agree with you on most of you know there's only one nightmare movie that I don't like, and that's Freddy's Dead, just because it's fucking boring. <laughs> it's um, boring. It, it is incredibly. It is. It
0: still stuns me how boring that film is. When yeah. the rest of them, even if they're not great, they've still got moments of it's real so interest. In yeah.
1: Yeah. So even even Nightmare Five, it's a terrible movie, but there's there's great moments of sort of, uh, of prosthetic effects in there, and sure. there's sort of like cheeky little comedy moments and stuff. There's stuff to enjoy. But just, yeah, Freddy's dead is fucking awful. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love the series. And I've, I've I've loved listening so far. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see where we go with these.
2: Cool. Well, the first one uh, we're covering, uh, which you will have just heard a trailer from, is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Um, also known as A Nightmare on Elm Street 7, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh, which I've actually never seen it referred to as as that to be honest. No
0: one knows it as that. Where did you get that
2: from? Ah, you know where I got that from. That fucking website. That fucking website. That's um, probably
1: why it didn't do so fucking well, though, that's the problem. Yeah, like they, they probably be, yeah. should have called it in Street 7. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um the film was released in nineteen ninety four and it saw Wes Craven returning to the series as a director. Uh, and it also saw many of the early the original cast returning as well, but not necessarily in their main roles. Well, their 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 original roles. Uh, we'll start off with Noel. Noel, uh, West Craven's New Nightmare. What do you think?
1: Well, I kind of spoiled this a little bit like last night on on Twitter. I fucking love this film. Um, perhaps it's because you know the the series had gone off the rails a little bit with. You know, Nightmare Five isn't great, uh, but as we as we just sort of discussed, it's it's got its good points. Um, Nightmare Six is horrific, Um, so maybe it's because the series has gone off the rails, and this really is an effort to get get things, you know, to give it a fresh start and give it a fresh look and and everything like that. Maybe it's because of that, but I I just I love it. It's it's a proper return to form and it's. I genuinely believe it's a film that was way way ahead of its time and it's just such a shame that so many people didn't give it a shot at the time because you know the Nightmare franchise had been running to the ground and people were tired of it so it's a shame that it didn't get the attention that it deserved and it would take you know a film that that, uh that Wes Craven had make a few years later to get the same sort of um, plaudits, yeah. so yeah, it, it, it's great.
2: It, you can definitely see kind of precursors to um, Scream, yeah. from from Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I definitely sort of it was the sort of it was watching it more when you're looking at it. I don't want to say from a critical eye, but from a where you, you know you're going to have to talk about it, you're not just watching it for the pure entertainment value. You start to notice other things, and it, it was there where you sort of went, This was like suddenly a few years before Scream, and it's so. There is so much that is in the Scream franchise, not just the first movie, that, that was kind of, the foundations were laid for with this movie. Um, Ian, what did you think of Wes Craven's new Nightmare?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll say I, um, unlike 4, 5 and 6, I had actually seen the um, had seen both this and the remake uh, previously. Uh, we'll go on to the remake later. But um, yeah, so I, I, I was coming at this not as the first time I saw it, not as like a massive fan of the franchise or anything like that, but coming back to it now and watching them all in in, in quick in, in in such quick succession it is admirable just how much Wes like west craven was trying to do something different here and and trying to really give the franchise a kick, a, a kick up the arse. and i i i don't i i think i'm going to be the the least on this film out of the three of us, but I, I still very much like it. I do think it it suffers from from certain uh drawbacks. Um, I, I mean I I I mean I certainly think again as we've discussed with pretty much all of these films, I don't think the ending quite lives up to the rest of it. However there's some incredibly intelligent kind of meta before meta became a thing stuff going on here. Um, and in a way, I mean, I'm I'm kind of thankful for the, the, this not doing so well because otherwise, I don't maybe we wouldn't have got Scream, and you know, I think Scream is a genuinely important horror film in the. The grand, like the the grand time scale of horror, uh, but yeah, I, I I do very much enjoy the film, but I I do have certain drawbacks to it, and I will say, just in case I forget to mention it, the end credit music is an abomination.
2: Oh, it's awful. The fact that there's a song written purposely for the film.
0: I, well, I mean, just like even though the kind of like the remixed. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street theme with the drum machine. Yeah, it, it's 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 fucking brutal. But uh, I mean, we'll we'll get on to drawbacks. But yeah, I I I'm a f- I, I do like it, Mark.
1: I think on the scream on the scream comparison thing, and and I've always sort of said that it is. I've always referred to New Nightmare as kind of a blueprint for Scream. Sure. Um, and I, I I definitely stand by that. But I think where it differs is and where <sighs> not necessarily where it's a better film for me, because I don't necessarily think this is a better film than Scream at all, but I think where it's more interesting for me is that this is a movie about the world of horror movies spilling into real life. However, I love the fact that it's so, um, I love the fact that it's, it's base, it bases all that in a series of characters that we already know. So it's, it's very clear that this is not only a film about sort of the blurring lines of of reality and, and, and horror and, and stuff like that. It's entrenched in how everyone has been affected by this series. So, you know, specifically Heather Langenkamp, in this movie, she's being stalked. And that's something that's taken from her real life as a result of the Nightmare series. With Wes Craven, it's the idea that he's haunted by this series. So, you know, in real life, that's the same sort of thing. People would always ask him but he was always attached to the the Nightmare series, even though he wasn't quite even on the t- in the times where he wasn't attached to it. And I think with Rob with Robert Englund's character, it's about how this one character has really taken over his life. So you get a sort of a, a more literal representation of that in the film, where it's you know Freddy is taking him over. And I just love the fact that that this is like Scream about horror movies spilling into reality, but it's just it's rooted in. The Nightmare on Elm Street franchise that you know and love, or that I know and love, going into it. It
2: is it's strange how much um, Craven has actually pulled out from um, from actual real life, I mean, like you were saying. You know, with the the fact that Heather Langenkamp did you know did pick up a stalker, but also to the point of where, I mean, Heather Langenkamp's husband now he, he does work in special effects.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, she he's he's pulled out. It's it's like. Craven has looked at it and has kind of gone, had an inspiration of an idea um, and has basically done some kind of almost docu-style Meta film. It's like even was saying, you know, Meta has become a thing um, sort of in the past decade where people are often referring to stuff as being Meta. But the the ideas and what we now consider to be Meta, they were explored quite a lot in sort of the, the mid to a... Um, the early and mid 90s, you know, we had stuff like this, and even sort of things like Last Action Hero. Sure. These yeah. were exploring these meta ideas that uh, that the millennial filmmakers seem to think that they invented, and they weren't. They were rooted in in these sort of early sort of mid 90s films.
0: I mean, the, the, yeah, I mean, New Nightmare is genuinely ahead of its time. Mm. Uh, I mean, like, and, and that's one of the reasons why it probably didn't do very well. It's, uh, but I mean. The thing I, I think the thing that Craven did different with Scream as well is that he kind of kept that stuff not as upfront. Like the um, it, it, there's an awful lot of insidey film stuff here that I think maybe disconnects with a wider audience. Whereas with Scream, it's you know it's in kind of conversations people are having in movie stores uh, in in, in, in uh, like Blockbusters where it, it's a little bit more relatable. Whereas here you've got meetings with robert shea and you know like meeting up with wes craven and the screenplay is what they're actually we're talking which is a great idea but it's it's a little bit inside baseball for a wider
2: audience but for people like us i mean those, those ideas are fantastic yeah i mean it's certainly one of those things like you say with, with screen it, it is it's real people talking about movies whereas this is in industry people talking about the possibility of making a movie and the impact that such a recognisable franchise... I mean, the the, the whole um, bit where the, the Doctor's talking to Heather Langenkamp and he's constantly sort of saying, you know, oh, you let your kid, you let your son watch your films. And she's like, no, everyone's heard of Freddy. And you had the earlier scene where Robert Englund was signing autographs and there's all these kids in, like, Freddy costumes and stuff. Uh, and none of those kids should have seen... Any of the Nightmare on Elm Street films, but the character transcended the actual films and became almost a celebrity of his own right.
1: Well, that's what's great about it, is is mm, yeah. is it references that stuff because it was ridiculous. What you know, what type of merch the type of merchandise and stuff that was available in the late nineteen eighties for kids mm. that was based around the Nightmare on Elm Street series was ridiculous, and everybody knew it was ridiculous. And so referencing it, I think, is is a great thing, and I think. One thing that's interesting it is, is there is a general sense of distaste for horror movies in this film. It does reference, you know, aside from there's little moments where sort of, you know, uh, where Heather says to Bob Shea, oh, I thought Wes stopped doing horror movies. And, you know, you know that that sort of comes, you know, Wes Craven's put that into the script because he wants people to think, oh, yeah, Wes has stepped away from horror. When in reality, yeah, you look at his <laughs> own V-Page. The last film he did was The People Under Sea. He's not, he's not, he hasn't even nearly stepped away from horror. So there are there are moments where it's sort of it's a little bit sort of sniffy about horror movies but then I think Wes Craven sort of brings it back and says well look you know it's one of the weaker elements of the film perhaps but he he does sort of say well look horror movies aren't sold to children the same way violent fairy tales are it's just the strength of this character as as you say Mark has sort of permeated pop culture and, and gotten out of hand and that's what that's what this is about this character's gotten out of hand and it's we killed the franchise and because it's so big it's spilling into the real world Yeah, it's
2: it's brought itself to life
1: yeah he's looking for a new home and i love that i love that idea i love that idea of you know we've managed to keep him contained in the story for this point so we managed to keep this this evil contained but now that the story's ended the evil is looking for a new home, and it likes I, our world, and it likes the likes the form that it's taken and stuff. Like that. I think it's just a great idea.
0: It's 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 a great idea, but I mean there are a couple of things where I I, I think it's it's slightly a slight a, a little bit too kind of indulgent. And it slightly took me out of the film. Where like there's there's a moment where they say, where they say that he if the story is so good, it will capture it, and it I mean like where's the fact that Wes Craven is writing. The writing that he has written a story so good that's that it true. actually has contained evil. <laughs> it, 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 I, 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 like, I, I think that's quite, that's, that's quite funny. Like Wes Craven like kind of wanking off a little bit. I mean, which is you know it, it's fine. But also I was talking to Donna about this and that idea, and she said herself. And I mean I, I was thinking this. Uh, uh, she said herself, why the hell didn't didn't the evil escape during Nightmare like Nightmare on Elm Street four or five then? You know you know.
1: Um, the stories weren't strong enough to contain him in that. Yeah, like, yeah you know, it's like. Even how, when I'm done with his shit. Yeah,
0: I mean, how good does the story. I, I mean, like, the idea. I, I think the idea of the, of the the character ending and that releasing him, fair enough. I think the idea of the story. I mean, it is kind of nitpicking, but it is quite an indulgent moment. Um, you yeah, know, the fact that it ends, fair enough. The fact that the story is so good, uh, I, I, I don't know about that. Because, like, i got to say, like, this evil probably doesn't have very good quality control then. Like, I mean, fuck me. It probably took him until, like, Friday the 13th Part 8 before he, re- like, realised, oh, hang on a second, these aren't very good. You know, I, I, I reckon the evil probably escaped the Friday the 13th si- series around the time that the toxic waste went all over Jason and reverted him to a small child. You know, but it, just the fact that it took that long, I, I don't know. I, I, Evil's quality control on horror films is called into question by New Nightmare. I feel. Well, we,
1: we, we, I think it's, we you have we to sort of. Sorry, there. I was just going to say you have to acknowledge that um, it's. I mean, first and foremost, it's 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 absolutely fair to say that it's a film that panders to to fans of the series, and um, you know, it acknowledge it, it does certain. Postmodern, if you like sort of things that are a little bit too inside baseball as you put it but i think the important th- and another important point to draw out of that is that first of all horror movie fans and don't know how to be fans like to be pandered too sure yeah and the other thing is that this is a film that was made in 1994 as we've kind of touched on already where this this wasn't you know, it's par for the course nowadays to to be this sort of referential in in, in TV shows like Community and stuff like that. Uh, people are always referencing other things, or or you know what I mean, like or, or, or self-referencing stuff. And in 1994, that wasn't happening at all. So it's it's I think that's one of the stronger it's 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 the main sort of strong idea of the film, and I think because it's got such strong ideas um and because it's so far ahead of its time and it references the stuff that i like i think i sort of i i admittedly look i i admittedly um ignore the faults and i know that there are many faults because you know there's a huge one in the child like if if the child wasn't for me if, if the child wasn't in the film um there would be so much more to it because if you there are a few things that I would change about the film to make it slightly better, and it really comes down to taking the kid out of the plot and just focusing on Nancy. Because I think if you, by including that child, you lose a lot of the ambiguity of the story. So if you take him out of it, it would have almost been like a sort of, like a Hitchcockian sort of Polanski and paranoid descent into madness thing, yeah. where you're actually asking whether or not is Heather going mad. Like, is this all in her head, or is is, is this happening in reality? And it, it would have also sort of reinforced the idea that this is the damage that this franchise has done to her and everyone around her. And as such, because you include that kid, and you have the silly moments where, you know, like in the park, it, uh, sorry, in the, in the sort of uh, playground, yeah. it really on, only ends up ever sort of touching on that. And it's a shame, it's, it's a real shame, because it could have been even better without that sort of, ham fisted stuff that makes it less ambiguous.
0: I mean what, what what also what also harms it is the fact that I, I think it, like the the evil presence's motivation towards the kid is a little bit yeah. what what is he actually trying to do? Is he trying to possess the kid or That's is he him, just trying to kill the kids?
1: Why is he not just going after after Nancy? Like yeah. that she's the prize here, surely. I
2: think I think it's very much a kind of it's he knows to draw Nancy out that if he goes for the kid, um, and that's kind of that was Freddie's original kind of mo, wasn't it? Really, was he? He, he you know, in the original series, he was a child killer. Um, so it's kind of it's working on that paternal fear to kind of draw um, Nancy, well, to draw Nancy back uh, through Heather.
1: I think you could argue, perhaps. I mean, certainly that definitely. Um, you know, going back to the child killer thing, although clearly it's it's not an avenue that, that it wants to go down too much. Mm. Um, but I think you could also probably argue that, you know, the kid is the portal, uh, into, you know, the kid is sure. the one that believes. And she, he's like, you know, Nancy is an actress, she knows she's an actress, she knows she was part of this, uh, this silly series of movies. But the kid is an innocent mind who's having dreams and is thinking about Freddy. So maybe, you know, the kid's the portal in, but why when freddie starts to come into the real world he's bothered about the kid i don't really know Uh, uh, uh,
0: by the way i love that you keep on calling her nancy
1: oh yeah sorry
0: no 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 it's it's brilliant it's it's like you're homaging john saxon towards (laughs) the end of this film
1: it kind of is yeah
0: which which is also i like the idea of uh, reality and fiction blurring but that that moment also is a little bit well why why is he doing that then Mm. It, 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 like, because nobody else seems to think she's actually Nancy, and like the moment where not only is he doing that, but he gets into a police car and drives off,
1: that <laughs> makes no sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, 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 yeah, it feels like a good idea on paper. That's not quite. I mean, again I'm kind I am kind of nitpicking but it, it almost feels like there were some ideas in Wes Craven's head that he wasn't quite able to actually get and maybe it's a meta comment on the fact that maybe he's not the best screenwriter in the world you know <laughs> I don't know but I mean, but I, I it's it, it's probably not um but again that 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 moment is a bit odd even though I do like the uh like when when she says I love you too dad and like that kind of the the, the familial connection that maybe Heather Langenkamp actually has with John Saxon you know mm. that maybe she's not co- like kind of play like actually starting to believe she's Nancy maybe she's just trying to comfort him or something and mm. you yeah, know, I, I, I do like that I mean it's a really fucking interesting film and I mean we've talked about it I mean not just because Noel's here but we talked about it for far longer than than a lot of the other films and I think it's because there is a lot more meat in
1: there
0: mm. I mean, I think too. you have to
1: say as well It's th- I, as much as I love I mean, I hate the ending. I I absolutely hate the ending. But I love how the third act starts to bleed the Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street stuff into the story with the the upside-down room kill and the the grey hair streak and the sticky stairs and the stretchy arm and the screw your past thing and stuff like that. And I think, you know, although technically you can say it's a bit wonky and it doesn't quite work, it's clear that the reasons for doing it are they want to give the fans something and, and then when I'm when I'm watching it I'm not thinking yeah that kind of doesn't work that that you know now um now John Saxon's her dad and stuff like that and she's back in that house I'm not thinking that I'm just thinking oh this is great we're getting everything everything's back the way it was this is cracking so that's the only thing that I'm thinking when I'm watching it when it you know in reality it kind of doesn't
0: no that's cool i mean no, I, I i i i'm not like crit- like criticizing you you get something out of that at all i know you don't think i am it, it just like i i think it's worth mentioning um oh, fuck i was gonna say something else as well but it's gone out of my head um i mean the, the kids is i just want to echo what you what you're saying there the kids terrible whenever he's doing they're like never sleep again you know it's just no no, no, yeah. Um, and I mean Heather Camp I actually think she's her best uh, performance. I think is actually in Dream Warriors. To be honest. Um, what's this? What, what have you just sent us? Noah? Sorry,
1: I just sent you a photo that I was gonna because I was gonna bring up this this point. There's that I think there's a genuine. I think there's a few genuinely creepy shots in the film. Sure. Um, I think there's there's one that sort of just passes by very quickly, and it's where moment uh, where Heather's in bed and she's sleeping and she's dreaming and the sort of rooms kind of rocking around her and you see sort of like the furniture sort of like rocking around her and it's it's such a small it's such a small and kind of unnecessary thing but it it sort of works the second is is that 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 moment where graven sort of takes freddie and recreates the sort of spinning room thing and just just one shot where freddie is upside down and looks towards the camera and it's this properly sort of wonky nightmarish... Like German expressionist boogeyman thing where he's sort of his head's tilted down and his arm looks really long and he's just
0: kind of smiling as well yeah, yeah that's
1: awesome it's a fucking cracking little just a tiny little, just a second and I don't even I don't even know if I'd noticed it I mean I've seen this oh, film a million it. times before but I was watching this last night and um yeah I just noticed that and I was like that's a fucking really great little image. That I,
0: and I mean, I'll say as well, like what, what I really like about this film, and I remember this from the first time I saw it as well, and like the first time I saw it, I think I was probably like eleven or twelve, like like really young. It's just how intense it is at times as well. Like Craven really goes full bore with some of the jump scares in it. They just kind of keep on coming, and that that there, there are sequences like uh, there's there's one sequence where um, the kids. Um, the kid's kind of sleepwalking downstairs, it's the middle of the night, and there's, like, three jump scares in quite quick succession, and, and like, just the earthquakey stuff that keeps on happening. Like, he, he really, like the first film, he keeps up, at moments, just a really full bore, bloody hell, there's a lot of shit going on here, and it, it's, I, I, I did find moments of this film genuinely unnerving. Oh, and I just remembered what I was going to say earlier on when you were saying about Craven wanting to uh, do this is um, uh, try, trying to give something back to the fans. I actually watched um There's this really brief feature on the, on, on, on the Blu-ray. It's only like a minute and a half long. And he's talking about uh, his motivations for doing the film. And he was just like, you know, and they gave me that uh, unlike the first film, they actually gave me points on any sequels that are going to come out of this. You know, and it was like because he was so aggrieved about the, the profit participation out of the first film. And then he got his points. He got his points for sweet sequels. And how many sequels did this one get? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it just made me laugh.
1: Just on that, uh, you mentioned the earthquake thing there as well and the sort of intensity. And I think that's he does that very early on as well. There's a moment. Uh, well, it's the, it's the first moment where you sort of the initial dream sequence. And rather than have Nancy wake up and just have that sort of classic moment where it's like <sighs> and everything's silent and it's the middle of the night and she's sweating and, and there's a guy next to her, Oh, is everything okay? Rather than have that, she wakes up into an earthquake. So it's like the intensity of this dream and everything that's good, this nightmare, it yeah. sort of continues into sort of into a like the, the the nightmare's continued into being awake. So it's almost like the the relief is sort of delayed a little bit, which I think is is really nice and just sort of keeps that intensity up.
0: I I think that's the kind of stuff I'm referring to, really. Yeah, the way that it's like there are... There's a, like, there is a dream sequence and then, there, and then there's an earthquake and then there's another jump scare and then it might turn out that that earthquake was a dream as well and yeah. like, the, the way it just keeps on going there and, and the, the moment as well when Nancy is uh, fucking Nancy Heather is uh, attacked by, the, uh, by the, 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 the creature at home and she, she like looks in her wardrobe and then he jumps out at her and it's just like it's a shot of Robert England just jumping out at the screen that genuinely made me jump. And, and then, like, him attacking her, I mean, it, it just... Oh, is
1: that where he says, did you miss me? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It really just goes for it. I mean, it's... It, oh, fuck, I, I mean, I'm liking this film more talking about it, actually, fair play. It, do,
2: it does have a very intense quality that I think that you, um, you can kind of forget from really from a lot of the sequels, and you have to kind of go back to the first film to, to remember that kind of intensity, and it's something we have discussed over discussing these films, is the fact that it has swayed a lot more to the ridiculous as they've gone through the films, and it's lost a little bit of that that tension and that that fright that was there in the first film, and it, yeah. it's, certainly, it's certainly back in this film.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That moment as well where... Um where everything's kind of going on and or going off is probably a better way to put it. Everything's kind of going off and upstairs in the bedroom, Freddie's just sort of rising out of the bed underneath the sheet. That's really nice. Mm, just is. There, there is, there's a few little nice moments. I think to be honest with you, it probably, it goes a little bit too far and turns into, it turns into sort of like nightmare Elm street four or five or, and or six in the last 10 minutes of the film. And that's a bit of a shame just because it gets a little bit silly and, and and I guess maybe it has to just because that's what these films are. But the whole sort of like Hansel and Gretel, large like elongated tongue nonsense, and the moment where he's melting and turning into a demon, it's just a bit. It goes. It's it's. I think the last ten minutes of the film kind of undoes a lot of the the hard work, unfortunately. But
0: it, I mean, it's 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 like it's like all the Elm Street films. so I mean, I don't think. I think Free is the one exception, actually, and it's because it's got that um, the stop motion skeleton stuff going on as well that I really, really like. Um, but I mean, the, 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 even the first one, the the end, the, like the the final fight is kind of wank. They yeah.
2: they, they, they they can't kill Freddy off in interesting way. They, they, it just gets to it and you kind of expecting this real big crescendo of everything sort of happening together, and then all of a sudden it's just like, oh. Oh, that's it. All right. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It's oh, interesting okay, cool. that the one time that they've really, really tried to do it in a in the most you know let's kill Freddy in the most crazy way possible was Freddy's dead, which is <laughs> yeah. like the fucking worst. Like, ugh.
0: I mean, like, oh, fucking Freddy's dead. I mean, like, how does he die? They blow up his head with a shotgun. Yeah. It but it's just,
1: just the whole oh. sort of like, let's just make it explosive and we'll have it in 3D and his head will come out of you. And for some reason, different versions of his head will come out of his head in some weird sort of shit special effect. It's, yeah. Doesn't work.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. So on New Nightmare, are we, what are we thinking? Is it shit or is it definitely not shit? I'm going, definitely not shit. Same.
1: It's definitely not shit.
2: Right. We're going to move on. We're going to have a, um,. We're we'll gonna go back into the future, and I'm gonna we'll come back into the past, uh, to discuss the a Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 remake. Wait, you ready to go on? Cool. Yeah. Uh, so we're into one old, one new, aren't we now? That's fucking weird. Bless <laughs> you. <sighs> <Fuck laughs> <sake. laughs> nice. Right. Um. So we're gonna throw some one old and one new at you. Uh, Ian, kick us off.
0: I always sneeze when I time travel, you see. And we just, we we just went back and then came came back, and it, it makes me very sneezy. So talking I about going back
2: in future, have you seen the guys who are um, real time tweeting Back to the Future?
0: Yeah, good on them. The fucking <laughs> it,
2: it is brilliant.
0: It, I I don't know. I just. Even though Donna made the very good point that if it was in real time, surely it's not going to finish for, like, another 25 years, <laughs> yeah. We'll see.
2: I'd be fucking committed at that.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, right. I could, even though, do you know what, If someone's going to go to that much effort, I wouldn't be surprised if they just take that step anyway. <laughs> good on him, fucking crazy bastard. Um, OK, so I'll talk about my one old first. because um, my one new uh, I only watched a couple of new films this week and i actually talked about them both on 35 mm heroes so i'll probably be quite quick with that uh do you, do you know what though usually i talk about stuff at length on here and then i go brief on there so do it the other way around for once uh, also this is probably going to be quite a long show so um yeah so i'll talk about my, my one old uh, i came out on blu-ray through screen factory in the u.s recently and i imported it uh, it is region a only which is a shame but uh if you have a region a player and you've got a spare 15 quid or so John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Um, Now, *Prince of Darkness, I'd seen it once before, and I very much enjoyed it. And uh, I was really, 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 really itching for a rewatch. Now, I mean, a lot of John Carpenter's uh, horror stuff I've seen like multiple times, like, you know, The Thing, I think I've probably seen six or seven times, Halloween, more than that, probably. Um, you know, in the mouth of madness, I've seen it at least twice, if not thrice. Uh, and yet Prince of darkness was, it had remained a one watch until this week. Uh, I will say first off the shout factory blu-ray looks fantastic. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out on blu-ray through arrow next year, because I think shout and arrow have a bit of a relationship. I think
2: it might be actually. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Uh, and uh, you know, and that's, that's cool. Um, the picture is great. Um, there's you know there's a little bit of print damage but it's not that bad but um the the grain is awesome it's like watching a really nice print which is what you want and uh, there's a pretty solid 5.1 track on there as well they've got a, a 2.0 and a 5.1 and the 5.1 really cranks up the music uh, which is awesome because the uh, the score that John Carpenter and How- uh, Alan Howarth How have done on uh, with, with Prince of Darkness is fantastic um, I fucking love Prince of Darkness. Um, I would would actually go so far as to say that I, I, for me, I think it's Carpenter's second best film. Um, and I know that's not an opinion shared by everybody and, you know, fair play. Um, but, I like how it's like an insanely epic story. I mean, like, it is the ultimate battle of light versus dark essentially, but played out on this kind of, like, tiny scale. Mm. Um, like the fact that it's it it's and the fact that it gets to do quite a lot of different types of horror all in the one film um it also feels like it's quite an angry film from Carpenter as well I mean I know it was um it it was just after he'd done like the thing in big trouble in Little China and I think he was feeling quite burned and um you know so like he had a two picture deal to do this and they live where it was like low budget, but he gets full, this is what I'm going to do. And I think he really goes for the jugular with that, with this. Because, I mean, it is a nasty film. You know, like, there's body horror all over the place. Um, Just just the, I mean, I, it, like, the idea of people infecting other people kind of weirds me out as well. So, like, all the stuff of, like, water, like, people, like, opening their mouths and spraying this water gunk into other people's mouths and stuff like that, it really... Uh, that shit actually really fucking weirds me out. If there's anything in horror that weirds me out, it's that kind of stuff. Um, and they, they do a lot of that here. But, I mean, you've also got the, um, uh, the 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 girl who kind of gets the scratch, and then, like, she turns really, really, like, nasty, and she's got, like, bloody patches all over her body, and so it's, it's rough. Um and I mean, you've got some stuff that hasn't aged as well. Um, there's the Bug Man who, who like, he's like, "Hello, hello, I've got something to tell you, and you're not going to like it." You know, which is, you know, a bit, a bit cheesy, but it, it just, it's yeah. odd. It's really odd. But then you've also got Alice Cooper like impaling someone on half a bike, <laughs> and Alice Cooper as the lead psycho hobo or the cybo as i'm going to call him um is um it is a treat he doesn't say anything but he's got a fair bit of presence um and, and, i mean christ i mean the, the lead has a fantastic mustache um which is awesome um and uh the lead girl is is quite fetching um and the ending is fantastic and the ideas in it as well the ideas of um transmissions from the future being uh transmitted uh on frequencies that are kind of picked up in people's dreams and stuff that that's fucking great um and i I mean like i uh, i won't spoil the ending but it is a part of um carpenter's apocalypse trilogy Mm. but i like the way that unlike the other two uh, well actually no no i take that back the thing is kind of like it ends ambiguously but it being a part of the apocalypse trilogy kind of informs what Carpenter's intentions were. Yeah. And I, I think that's the same here. And you know, the the fact that it's like, the things are okay for now, but dot, dot, dot. But. Pardon me, that the thing, and that this are, you know, I mean, In the Mouth of Madness is full on off the deep end by the end, you know, I mean, I, I wanted to watch In the Mouth of Madness by the end of October as well, but I'm not going to get a chance, which is a shame. But um, yeah, it's... um. I, I I think it's great. I, I it's it's Carpenter doing as pretty much always doing whatever the fuck he wants to do, but with a really angry, nasty spirit, but but very intelligent spirit to it. Um, it's I I I I think it's a fucking fantastic. It's film. it's
2: one that I've not actually watched since the, God since the early nineties. Um, I think part of it, it's never had a great release over here. So it kinda of gets you know, including by myself, kind of forgotten a little bit. Uh, and I think a good a really good release of it over here would, would give it that new lease of life in in the UK, certainly. So I I think I might um I, I don't know it's not on the current slate for uh, the first quarter releases in for Arrow. So I might just I might I might just buy it and buy the um shout factory one.
0: And you got a I'm getting
2: one there? at Christmas.
0: Nice. Oh, yeah. oh, you can
2: get into the criteria. That's, that's my idea. Is, is we were, we were, we were going to get a PS4, but then we decided, you know what, there's not any games that either of us want. I just ended up buying FIFA for it, and I've got FIFA for the PS3, so why not do it for PS4? Yeah. So I think I might get it. I said to Becky, I think I'm going to get a region A Blu-ray player, which she was like, oh, that's pretty cool. i like, fucking hell. <laughs> I was just testing the water. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah, so I'll probably bite on that.
0: Solid, yeah, man. It's um, it's it's a really nice presentation. Solid interview with uh, Carpenter on it as well. There's there's an interview with Alice Cooper on the disc as well, which I haven't watched yet, but I'm quite looking forward to that. But yeah, uh, it's just really, it, it's great.
2: Cool, right? Uh, I'm gonna start off with my um one old as well. It's actually it's the, yeah, it's the only old film I, I I've watched this week. I've had a very very busy. We're well, not that It's not the only old one I've watched. So I also watched uh, Monster Squad on Halloween uh, oh, as, as preview prints. But um, I, I've watched them each of them like two, three times this week. So uh, <laughs> kind of, you know, I, I've run out of, out of out of ways to kind of talk about them or anything like that. I need to not watch them for a while, <laughs> which is a shame yeah. because uh, I've just got the 35th. Restoration um, of Halloween, and it looks and sounds incredible.
0: Yeah, the that that print, it's it's nice, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, I, I was watching a bit of it last night. I think I'm going to try and watch the rest tonight. It's um because I, I know people really kicked off with the original Blu-ray release because it was too yeah, blue. Yeah, it wasn't great. I, I you know, um, I mean, I remember the thing is, it didn't bother me at the time because it was just like Halloween in HD. It, it's nice, but watching this print now like the first thing i was thinking was fuck me this looks way more
2: natural mm, it's so crisp like
0: it, yeah 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 man and i mean like the the 7.1 as well i mean i i've only got a 5.1 set uh, sat up but the um it it's it's got shit going in in the rear speakers a lot it's a really really nice we, track i
2: we we yeah. were playing it on a on a um a full 7.1 um system within a p with that was going through a PA. Um and it fucking sounded unreal. Oh, so you screened yeah, the Blu-ray, screened, did you? It, uh, yeah. Oh, wicked. Um, yeah, and it, it sounded incredible. Looked brilliant, and it sounded incredible.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Our oh, rather
2: way. lovely um, full HD projector, which nice. I'm actually looking after at the moment.
0: Nice. <laughs> so you know what's
2: happening on Saturday, bedsheet and projector time. <laughs> um <laughs> So yes, um, what we talk about is the final uh, I watched one, like I said, um, I watched The Rock, um, and I got it in the um, Jerry Brockheimer, um, the current box set that you can get. Oh, the action, yeah, action. yeah, you, yeah. Get it, it, you know, most places you can get it for under twenty quid, um, and in that you get The Rock, Connor, Crimson Tide, Deja Vu, uh, Enemy of the State, and Gone in sixty yep. seconds. Am I yeah. missing anything? That's it, it. Seven films. Pearl oh, Harbor. yeah, Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor, The Rock, Harbor. Gone in sixty seconds, Con Air, Enemy of State, Crimson Tide. That's all. A minute, yeah, seven. Seven Think films so, yeah. for twenty quid on Blu-ray. How how the fuck can you go wrong? But how many dads are gonna wake up on Christmas morning and have that wrapped up for them? Twelve. Oh, exactly. Um... <laughs> Let's <laughs> say so I watched the Rock. This is the first time I've watched this since VHS. So the point of where I've actually got it on DVD and my DVD box remains unopened. Um, so it's the first time I've watched it since VHS. So probably the late nineties. Uh, and decided to give it give it a go. Um, and
0: it's it's
2: you know the, the general gist of the story is um, Ed Harris plays a uh, a general Frank Hummel who. Decides to steal a load of nuclear warheads, uh, not nuclear warheads, steal this new warhead that's got this um, biological weapon uh, in it. Uh, and he takes over Alcatraz and he wants a bit of money for himself, but he also he has a cause. He wants um, money given to the families of all the people that have died under his uh, stewardship as a general who uh, that sort of cover ups and, you know, deemed to not died within the service, etc. It's better explained in that. Um, but it's Michael Bay before everybody hated Michael Bay, so before Pearl Harbor. Um, and it, it's a it's a really entertaining film. Um, but what I pull out of it is the fact that there's a few things I pull out of it. One, Nick Cage was always batshit and not great because this in this he is overblown and you're watching it going. Ah shit, I I actually thought Nick Cage was quite good in this and he, he he's really he's really Nick Cagey in it. Ed Harris is just fucking crazy in everything. And I really don't like Sean Connery. Yeah, I it
0: it was it was the Connery um phoning it in kind of period, yeah. wasn't it? Just just before he um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, I, it's yeah, it's no,
2: it's, it's one of those films where it's it's over two hours long, and there are certain bits of it you could quite easily cut out and get it down to a hundred minutes with ease. Um, the whole uh, chase uh, where he's in the Hummer, um, Sean Connery's in the Hummer, and Nick Cage is in the Ferrari. That I was watching, going, why does this even need to be in the film? It just just, just yeah. doesn't make sense. It's kind of, it's gone off on a massive tangent. Um, and it is an early, it, it, it's the start of, you know, you're looking at Michael Bay going, well, yeah, it, you know, he's a very competent director, but he just like blowing things up a lot. Um, mm. So, yeah, I don't want to talk too long about The, the Rock because I want to spend a little bit more time on my um, my one new... But yeah it, it, the rock um I remember liking it a lot more and I kind of watching it thinking there's a better more serious film in this but then they got to cast Sean Connery and Nick Cage and got Michael Bay to direct it and so it just doesn't it doesn't seem to make sense
0: Yeah no that's that's fair even though I do I do like Ed Harris's character arc. I like the fact that he's kind of regretting it all the way through. I think the, that's yeah, actually I mean, interesting. The, the
2: scene where because um, it's always nice to see uh, Michael Bean in anything because he's magnificent. Um, the scene where Michael Bean takes his his troops up in through the washroom, and you've got um, Ed Harris um, with David Moss and Tony Todd and all those. Are around and they're basically saying, "Look, we've got the higher ground. We've we've got you here," and he's saying, "Stand yeah. down." And Michael Bean is basically saying, "You know, I can't do that. Yeah. That that I uh, I've got a limit," and I say that that is the finest five minutes of Michael Bay's career, partially because he's sure. got Michael Bean who is a very good actor and at this point could still he he. he, he he was still riding a high. Uh, and Ed Harris, he, he, for all his craziness, he actually can be a very, very powerful screen presence. And mm. it, it for that moment, it was a well-written, it was a well-managed, uh, Bay did seem to, he it, it, it seemed to have an idea that, right, this is the pivotal scene in the film, nothing else is as important as this. This is the moment where Harris... Uh, is it, it, Frank Hummel has the realization of oh my god i've just i 've just done what i 'm here to protest and it, it, it's that mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. is actually a pretty powerful and um, you know pretty Im- impressive scene and then it goes back to being this you know action romp with Sean connery yes. bouncing around and it it, it it kind of after that you're kind of going Do you know what that movie is the movie I wanted to see. As much as I'm enjoying this movie, I wanted to see that movie, not this movie. Yeah. So it just felt a little bit of a, of a come down after that. I get the feeling if this would have been directed by, uh, let's say, Tony Scott, it just would have had a little bit more about it. Yeah. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your one new
0: um actually i'll tell you what i'm just gonna grab my card because yeah, no i'm getting a bit cold i'll be yeah, back in a good a good cardigan cool um okay so yeah uh my my one new um yeah so we actually did a full review of this on 35 millimeter heroes but i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about it a little bit more um so yeah this is uh gavin hood's ender's game um adaptation of the uh, the book by not very nice man orson scott card um Interesting cast, as Aza uh, uh, Butterfield from Hugo, Harrison Ford, Ben Kingsley, Viola Davis, Haley Steinfeld, um, and the geeky, uh, the weird kid from Kings of Summer, who um, is playing uh, kind of a tough kid leader of a like squadron, which is bizarre.
2: Oh, yeah, um, oh, is Arius.
0: Yeah, him, yeah. Uh, which is it, it, very, very odd. And I couldn't help but have Kings of Summer in my <laughs> head through, throughout. Um, yeah, they're odd. Uh, yeah, so it's far more interesting than I ever thought it was going yeah. to be, frankly. Um, and the reasons why are incredibly spoilerish. Um, but it actually... It it, it 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 certainly suffers a little bit in adaptation i'll say um i haven't read the book but you can feel connective tissue missing there are certain character relationships that don't feel fleshed out and there are certain reactions to things where, like that, that viola davis's character in particular she has a, a very emotional reaction to something at one point involving ender and it's just like You've never ever really talked to him. Why are you reacting like that? And it feels like there are deleted scenes there. But it's got thematically and in terms of morality, it's got more to say than most films aimed at adults, let alone kids. The idea of trying to balance the primal with the more empathetic side within you and how your decisions can have an effect on the wider world and very 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 much in 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 this film's case is really quite interesting um and i mean a Butterfield actually does pretty well with it um he there there's kind of an inner conflict going on in him for an awful lot of the film and it kind of gets more and more so as it goes on and he he actually weathers it well and harrison ford's awake which is good and he actually seems to care and i think it might be because he's actually got a film here that has actually got a bit got a bit to say and i think that for kids who go and see it there certainly could be interesting discussions to be had with their parents afterwards um it's it it it, it feels like a film that I think it's not going to do very well at the box office. The uh, word of mouth on it is going to be bad because it doesn't not, and not really in a, in a particularly sweet sequel baiting way, but it doesn't wrap things up with a nice pretty bow. It more ends things. I mean, the, the ending is ridiculously abrupt. Like literally it, see, it seems to cut to black mid sentence and it doesn't, That it kind of feels odd um but it's i don't know it's a film that leaves you pondering afterwards and frankly i don't think there will be a sequel because like i say i don't think it's going to do very well but if there was i I would love to see a sequel because i'd love to see where this story goes next it's kind of like john carter in that way where i mean john carter more open openly sets up a sequel you know mark the mark strong character yeah. is basically he's in there to say see me in the next film um but it, it you know yeah i mean there's that but Ender's game it doesn't really do that there are there's certainly avenues you can see it going down but it does tell its story and a rather interesting story very well and i mean it is it is basically starship troopers for kids in very direct ways and also in just how it's very 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 biting about the society it's presenting um it's a society built on violence and the question of whether this whether this world actually deserves to be saved (laughs) comes up and it's which is surprising Uh, You know, I mean, like, the the, the marketing for it, I I think there's one quote they're using, Star Wars meets Harry Potter. And it's just, like, that's incredibly reductive. And that's one of the reasons why I wasn't looking forward to it, really. Watching it, though, it is surprising. And I think in in years to come, I think it's going to be picked up, and I think people are actually going to say, do you know what, that was actually a much better film than we gave it credit for. And I really, really wish it wasn't written, the the book wasn't written by Orson Scott Card because I can't help but think that maybe quite a lot of people have taken against it because it's written by him. Uh, But yeah, I I very, I I, I actually, it's certainly not perfect. It is shonky in parts, but its ambition and its ideas, I think, elevate it over re- way what i
2: thought it would be it's it's quite an interesting film cool um yeah because I, mean, I, I think i remember saying to you that i was pretty much not really looking forward so to, to it because i just didn't think it looked very good but um nice to hear that actually it actually is quite good so i'll, I'll maybe sh-
0: show it show it to izzy when it comes out on blu-ray or netflix yeah, or whatever i
2: think i will um Goodbye. cool right um i'll get into to my uh One new, which I actually watched. When did I watch it? I watched it on Monday night. Um, Film I was wanting to catch uh, at the cinema because I thought it looked very good, had very good reviews, uh, but I just didn't end up finding the time. It was uh, The Way, Way Back. Have you seen this?
0: Not yet. yet. I
2: won't go into too much kind of plotty details uh, about it, if you can really. Um, Right. idea of The Way Way Back, just to give a a brief idea of what it's about, is you've got uh, a 14-year-old kid, Duncan, um, played by uh, Liam James, uh, and he's his mother and father are recently divorced, he lives with his mother, um, and he's going away um, with his mother's new boyfriend, his mother's played by Tony Collette, and his mother's new boyfriend, Trent, played by Steve Carell, and there And in, in his daughter, um, who is so insignificant, he's untrue. Um, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So they're going along. Uh, the His mother and um, Steve Carell's daughter are both asleep. And Steve Carell decides to take this opportunity to bond a little bit with Duncan. And you get the bit in the trailer that you see where he says, what do you think you are? Rate yourself out of 10. And Duncan responds with, I think I'm a six. And Steve Carell's character decides to say, "No, no, no, you're not. You're a three. Um, right. And it kind of it continues like that. And it's written uh, and directed by uh, Nat Fox and, uh, and Jim Rash, who um, co-wrote the Descendants. Jim Rash, few people may recognise as Dean Pelton from Community, um, and they both they've, they've both been around for quite a while. To be honest, cropping up in, in various stuff. Um, And it has that very kind of, you know, summer away kind of feeling and there's a lot of angst. Duncan doesn't really get on with um, Trent, Steve Carell's character, who his mother thinks is great, when actually he's a bit of an arse and and all this. The thing is, is all of that is nothing new. We've seen it all before. And to be honest, um, Liam... James plays Duncan a little bit too moody. You know, if, if I was um, Steve Carell, even if I wasn't as much of an arsehole as Steve Carell's character is, I would. Even if I was like a normal, rational person, I still would be saying to him, "For fuck's sake, lad, cheer up," because he's yeah. he's very moody. And if it was just all that, this film would be. It, it would have been a slog. However, however, Sam Rockwell appears. Sam Rockwell is the manager of a place called Waterwiz, which is a local water park. Uh, Waterwiz? Yeah. Um, And Duncan uh, encounters Sam Rockwell playing Pac-Man. And they end up becoming, becoming friends. And he ends up working at WaterWiz while he's on holiday. And basically Sam Rockwell ends up becoming like the father figure, big brother figure that he never had.
0: It's it's actually called Waterwiz. Water yeah. Sure it is. Yeah, Waterwiz.
2: Waterwiz. Yeah.
0: It just I don't know, it just sounds like they're inviting kids to piss yeah. in the water slides. Uh I
2: it is. Um uh, it, it, the it, kids piss it is in the water an actual slides. water park. It is an actual water park. It's the same water park that was used in Grown Ups, but don't hold that against this film.
0: And it's actually, it's
2: actually called,
1: called
0: water,
1: water Wizard Wizard in, real in
2: real life. That's a it weird a bit weird, of like name. Yeah, a, a a yeah. uh, this film is a, a six out of ten overall it's a 6 out of 10. When you add Sam Rockwell's character into it it becomes an 8 out of 10. He manages to add two stars on his own. I could just watch the Sam Rockwell bits of this film without any of the rest of it and it would still be one of the most wonderfully captivating bits of cinema of the year. He is incredibly charismatic in this movie and just absolutely lovely It is the only way to describe it Honestly, I, you keep expecting him to have this moment where he becomes an arsehole and you're thinking uh, you're going to have that moment where he becomes a bit of an arsehole and then he has to have the redemptive moment later on and it doesn't he just continues being this and he's just, it's Sam Rockwell just doing what Sam Rockwell does best of just being this thoroughly charismatic and funny and he's bouncing lines off and just he just talks consistently all the time and just blah 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 blah. And you can see how Duncan could be sort of captivated by this guy and, and look up to him and it's yeah. just without him this film would have just fallen by the wayside. But with Rockwell's performance in this, it is incredible and it won, but it it should be at least knocking on the door of supporting characters in award season. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because it is an absolutely magnificent performance. I would happily nice. say to anybody if they said, Oh, what do you think about the way I back I'd say, watch it. Don't watch it for the film, just watch it for Sam Rockwell. Because at every moment he's on screen, it's a nine out of ten movie. And I am not joking there. Every moment he on screen, it is perfect. This movie. And then but the problem is, is he's a He's a supporting character, he's not a main character, and the bits when he's not there can't get anywhere near the level of the bits when he is there. It is an incredible performance by him. Um, so, yeah, watch people, watch The Way we Back, but I'm not saying it's a magnificent film, it's a 9 out of 10 film, but for just the Sam Rockwell bits alone, you will thank me.
0: I'm gonna, yeah, I will watch it. It's just, it's not one that jumps up and says, "I must be watched." No, yeah, yeah
2: I, I, I completely see why. And I, it's one of those ones where I'll say, "Don't rush out and watch it unless you really, really love Sam Rockwell." And if you do really love Sam Rockwell, watch it now because it's just him being magnificent. But yeah. Um, When you do, I guarantee, I can almost guarantee that you will say, you know what, you're fucking right, he's wonderful. There is no way that you could, A, either not want to have been friends with this guy, or B, not want to actually have been this guy. Yes. It's a magnificent. There's a moment towards the end of, of, of Sam Rockwell's participation in the movie where something happens and. All he does is he takes a step to his left. And it is... and that's you, Once you watch it, anybody who's listening, once you watch it, there's a moment where he takes a step to the left. And that's it. It just... It, 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 it's a very... It kind of... It, the whole film kind of hits you at that one point. And all it is is Sam Rockwell taking a step to one side and looking at somebody.
0: He, do, he does good it, stuff. Is, uh, it, it,
2: it's, it's brilliant. It got me that bit, and it might just be again, This might just be one of these ones where everybody else watches it and goes, fuck's he going on about?" Kind of sounds
0: like your time
2: of the month. It it I, it, it, it co- I was fucking emotional. I said to Beck, "That's Beck." That, that, Becky was like, "That was fucking hell. That was good." And Becky was like, "It's Sam Rockwell, of course it was good." But yeah, yeah um, so that was that's that was the way we're back. Um, it it it's. An okay film elevated by Sam Rockwell, as only he can. The
0: the Majesty
2: of Rockwell. Right, so that was the end of our one old, one new. So we're going to go back in time again. um, And we're going to conclude our night marathon on Elm Street uh, with the
1: remake. Yay.
2: Okay, you just heard a trailer from *A Nightmare on Elm Street*, the 2010 remake by everyone's favorite music video director Samuel Bayer. Uh, the film was done by Platinum Dunes, which is a byproduct for quality. I'm sure you all know. Uh, it starred Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy Krueger. We also had Kyle Gass, uh, Rooney Mara, and a load of other people that you might recognise from films that we probably don't like. Uh, no. Um, you and Ian discussed this movie on, as we talked about earlier, uh, the 35mm Heroes podcast episode 30, uh, which was also the podcast you discussed Iron Man 2 on. I know you've that? made peace with Iron Man 2. Now, <laughs> yeah. um, have, was, was re-watching A Nightmare on Elm Street, have you made peace with, with A Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake?
0: I'm looking forward to this.
1: Well, it's, it's interesting because that, like... As we've kind of touched on, that was a dark day for me reviewing the <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street remake and, and, and Iron Man 2. And like you say, I've made peace with Iron Man 2 a little bit. Um, I don't think it's better than Iron Man 1, Mark. As far as Nightmare on Elm Street, the fucking sort it out. Um, as far as A Nightmare on Elm Street is concerned no it's still it's still a fucking disaster i'm afraid uh it's 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 a shame because when, like i was keen to rewatch it because i know that you know it i always think of it alongside iron man 2 for that specific reason and i, I when i knew you were covering this i was a bit like yeah I, i'm going to use this as an opportunity to rewatch it because maybe i can get something out of it now and maybe enough time has passed but it's just so flat it's just you know, the, the, when the credits start and you see the New Line logo and you get the first sort of, like, music cues and you're like, oh, great, we're back in that. And then you see the Platinum Dunes logo and you go, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and just from there on in, it's just it's just so flat. That's the problem with it. And, yeah, it's still rotten. Still rotten. Ian, um,
0: this is the second time I think you've seen this as well, is it? Yeah, yeah, first time I was in the cinema. Um, test screened it in a cinema that had a dodgy sound system, so um, it was interesting actually hearing it properly. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that. Um, it doesn't... It, it, I mean, it's, it, it is fucking terrible. I mean, I mean, the thing is, it doesn't do a single thing better than the original, and I include the end scare, the, the blow-up doll mum in the original is still better than what we get as the end scare in this. Oh, yeah. Um, it just... The, the thing is, I was really, really angry about it at the time because I can't, like we, we didn't know how it was going to fare at the box office. We were thinking there's probably going to get sequels. Now we're a few years removed and it seems like everybody associated with it has done their best to, to basically apologise for it or just not say anything. I mean, Samuel Bayer hasn't directed a movie since.
2: Wesley um, Rick, I don't think has written a movie since either.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Rooney Mara has gone out of her way to say I didn't want to do it. It's it's a terrible movie. And she is terrible in it.
1: She's not. She's got her fucking self to blame for that. She is rotten in this film. Yeah. She's Heather Langenkamp bad in this film.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, she every single line that rooney mara says it feels like she doesn't want to be there she doesn't give a shit and i do kind of get the sense that she thinks she's above it just in how nonchalant and unbothered she is about absolutely everything uh it it we'll, we'll get into it but it, it, it's just the fact that it does not do a single thing better than the original There's not one thing to recommend it above the original. Actually, apart from the fact that they do her and Thomas Decker towards the end, their makeup does look like they're more fucked and tired than Heather Langenkamp and Johnny Depp did in the original. But that is it.
1: In terms of being better or worse than the original, you only need to look at the taglines. So how do you go from... If Nancy doesn't wake up screaming, she won't wake up at all, which is a fucking classic tagline. Sure. To he knows where you sleep. <laughs> he knows where you sleep. That's fucking. Yeah. In my bed. That's where I. That's not like that's. He knows where you sleep. Oh,
2: all, also, as well, is, is the they've they've changed the entire dynamic of of the character. You know, in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, which this is supposed to essentially be a remake slash reboot, I mean, of, of, you know, whatever they'd, they'd like to call it, um, in the first Nightmare on Elm Street film, Freddy is is not there very often. You know, you don't see him that often. Whereas in this, he's in it a lot. Yeah. In comparison to any of the other movies. And as well, you know, they they decided to go down the route of making him a... Not only a child killer, but a child molester as well, uh, which you know is something that Craven didn't want out of the you know the the original Nightmare on Elm Street
1: movie. But that's I think that's the main I think the main problem with a Nightmare on Elm Street is in what they've tried or not tried to do with Freddy, and they it seems to me that they didn't know whether they were they didn't know whether Freddy was going to be a Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy. Or he was gonna be a nightmare on Elm Street, uh, for Freddy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So so what they've got instead is a sort of weird amalgamation of the two. So you've got Jackie Earl Haley wandering about, not really doing much physically with with his body or, or sort of or with his voice, but doing it very seriously and very dry. And then they give him sort of random lines. I think is the Wet Dream line in there. Yeah. And stuff like that, and it's they give him sort of lines like that, and he delivers them fairly straight. So it just makes the character feel there's just no. I mean, like Robert, the, Robert, Eng, Robert England. He's he's a small fella, and you know, Freddy is a is a small character, and to try and make him menacing, there are certain physical things that he did, particularly in the first nightmare, like just the way he walks. And the way he sort of like drops his shoulder and stuff like that, as if the claw's like really heavy, and when he swings the claw, it's like a whole arm swing and stuff like that. All Jackie Earl Haley does is twitch his fingers occasionally. And yeah. I think that's what he thought was gonna be his oh, this is my Freddy. He twitches his finger. And it's like there's just it's such a flat version it, of, of it's, Freddy that yeah, there's it's, just nothing.
2: It's 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 not a subtle character of such when when being portrayed like this, it's like it very much is like um And he's trying to give it a little bit more menace, a little bit more subtlety, and a little less. But the script and the director and the writers are trying to go more kind of aggressive and angry, Freddy. And it, it kind of gets falls in between, you know, two person, and it just ends up being nothing. You know, we we all know Jackie O'Haley is a great actor. Um, and you know, having him as a um, a horror villain and this kind of this kind of horror villain, you know, it does it does fit. But uh, as as Freddy, it just it it doesn't work. He just doesn't seem like. It's not that he doesn't seem like he he doesn't get it. It just seems like he's very much about maybe like halfway through has gone. This is going to be shit. I'm just going to turn up. Say what they want me to say, collect my money, and go home. I
0: mean, the the, the, the thing is, with Robert England, even in the first one, there's a kind of a, a, a kind of sadistic gleefulness to him, mm. where he's enjoying fucking with these kids mm. before he kills them. With this, it, it it doesn't feel like Freddy's playing with his food. It just feels like he's just taking his time and being a bit shit at it. Like it, it, it is one it. It, it, I don't know. It feels like he just needs to up the pace or something and just get it over and done with. And I mean, it's it's. I don't know. I mean, like the the, the makeup is it's sure it's more realistic, but it just looks
1: like the cat in the hat.
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a great that's a great summation. Fair play. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it, I, it, 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 there's just nothing to him memorable at all. I, I I I I
1: mean, there's nothing memorable about this film. I think the idea of him being sort of the idea of him being pure evil and and vengeful rather than like you say, sort of playing with his food, that might have worked because they changed so much about about the film that you know fuck it if they're gonna change the if they're gonna change the Freddy character completely then fair enough, but I think that might have worked if they'd take the, the decision to actually make him a pedo and go mm-hmm. down that road and mm-hmm. say oh, yeah, he actually is, by revealing those photographs, um, I can't help but think that this was an opportunity to make the story slightly more interesting, possibly, by just having being an innocent. And maybe that's why he's not the sort of sadistic, playing with his food kind of guy, because he's just fucking angry. He's, he's angry that he, that these people did this to him when he was actually innocent. And I think that might have been an interesting way to take this. It would have made a completely different film from the original Nightmare on Elm Street, but it kind of is a different film completely anyway, so maybe that would have worked.
2: It would would have taken it in a more interesting direction, but it would have also, I think, it would have have hampered um, a a, a franchisable market, I think. I think that is why It, it does seem... And, and this, I think, can be said for a lot of the, the Platinum Dunes films, it just seems like this movie was made not out of any love or anything of the original films. Uh, it was just made to cash in on the original films, and that was
1: it. Even when, even when they actually reference the original film and, and throw in a few of the visuals, mm. they feel like shit versions of, of that. So the, the bath scene feel is, it seems really quick and not very effective and also the scene where the sort of you know they use cg for the above the bed uh, where he sort of like because yeah. um, yeah. I bet you talked about this on the on the episode, on, on the Nightmare on Elm street episode that particular effect where you know where it sort of pops the crucifix off the wall and stuff mm-hmm. like that that's, that's a brilliant yeah, that's yeah. a brilliant brilliant sequence and it's 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 simple and it's creepy and just by doing it in cg it just makes it feel cheap Cheap and disposable, and do you know what I mean? And it's, I mean, it is a terrible it's fun. CG even when effect. Fun the original, it's crap,
0: it's, it's a terrible CG effect, that's the thing. And it's, it's like, it was probably cheaper to do it even now to probably do it as they did in the Good original. Yeah.
2: I think I, I said to you, Ian, I remember reading a thing with Wes Craven about it where he actually spoke about it and said that that particular effect cost them. They went out and they bought some, um, uh, this like thick. Black fabric, um, and some bits of wood, and that's what it was. And that fabric just stretched out, and it it, it just went back, and that was it. He said, and it cost us something like um, twelve dollars to do that that scene. Said, and you know, in that with the CG, he said, that'll probably cost him, you know, twelve thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And he said, he said, you know, we made it in 1984, they made it in 2010, he says, and I
0: still think ours look better. It, it looks, it, I mean, it, 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 it's not even comparable. <laughs> it's, sure, so it's so much so better. better.
1: Well, you know that that's like a conversation that didn't even, it, it, yeah. it's, it, that's, the, that's where we are now, where yeah. the conversation didn't even need to happen. It's like, and then this scene happens, so we'll send that over to the CG team. Like, at no point did anybody suggest that that should be a practical effect. Nobody even thought of it. It was just an automatic... Oh yeah, we'll do it in CG because we've got a CG team. Yeah, and it's, do you know what I mean? it's the idea Why? that
2: that oh, it's it's easier to do it with computers. So well, not all of the time it isn't easy to do it with computers. It it, it might be easier to do to to mask out certain bits and take away certain bits um, with CG, but there are some physical effects where it is just it just makes more sense. But we've got into this this thing now where with cinema and on horror is is. Because it's so um, effects based, uh, it's one of the things where it has got to the point now where you're looking at going, really CG blood, you know, is Scribs that hard to do?
1: It's yeah. almost as if they don't trust the audience. It's almost as if they're worried that if they did just stretch a piece of fabric across a wall and have Robert, well, not Robert Engl- Engl- um Jackie Earle Haley rub his face up against it, it's almost as if they're worried that people would go well, that's just a guy behind a piece of material. Yeah. It's almost like they feel they have to do it in CG so that people go, ooh, look at the special effects. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's a shame. I mean, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, the, 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 the thing is as well that really does annoy me about, the, about this film generally is that there are, in, there are, like Noel was saying, there are kind of interesting ideas that they could develop and then they just do nothing with them. I mean, first off, the whole oh, maybe he's not a paedophile. Oh, actually, yeah, he is a paedophile, is is lame. And, I mean, there, there's no real discussion about it. It just feels like it's it's increasing the running time. But also, the idea of micro-sleeps is a really interesting idea and the whole kind of, like, you don't actually know when you're sleeping and it, it, you, you could be dreaming at any time. But what do they do with that? It's basically a justification to have a shitload of jump scares. Yeah. Of mm. really cheap, stupid jump scares. Yeah, it, it's
2: this, it, it's such an underwritten film I mean to the point of where they, they burst Not is it did you even look for the cave yeah we looked for it but we couldn't find it and then she stands in the room for like 15 seconds and goes there's something there and they find it and it's like really a, a group of, of adults in there looking around couldn't have thought I've oh, just moved this, this notice board oh my god it's there and she's in there for fifteen seconds and goes, there. You know, yes, she might have been remembering that. But that wasn't particularly hard to find, was it? Yeah. It just there's so many points of this where it's it's all that'll do. Oh, that'll be alright. That'll be alright. Oh that'll be but what nah no, it don't matter, it'll be fine. And
1: it's There's something very there's something very icky about that you know, that sort of the pedo cave as well. Mm. Um, there's there's something very sort of it makes me feel uncomfortable a little bit, and the moment where that uh, weird-lipped guy in the background is sort of like you know sifting through the the photographs in the background, I don't like that. I don't know what I I just don't like it. Well, I don't think it just this doesn't feel like a film that deserves to do things like that. Well, you know where's I mean? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah no, I do. Feels wrong. Yeah,
2: where's Craven originally when he 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 wrote the, the first the original film? um, He was he did write Kruger as being a child killer and a child molester, but then before he made he made it he he got rid of the child molestering bit because he said that it that took it too far and he he felt that that would be that's he said that that's too serious a thing and too too. damaging a a thing to kind of make light of with with a horror movie of the nature that that he was making you know. And you can kind of see what he was meaning, and that's why he was he was very stringent on the fact that he didn't want that to be brought up in any of the the sequels or anything. That's why yeah. it, it's very much kept out. He of, never, uh, but then it's like
1: he, he never chases. Freddie never chases kids around. He chases teenagers around. That's like in the even in the first Nightmare on Elm Street film. They're you know yeah they're high school kids, but they're clearly like fifteen sixteen years old or something. They're not. 8 9 year old kids like they are in this. Mm. So, and in all of the sequel, in all of the sequels, he's never chasing kids around. The only time I've ever seen the sort of child molester thing really explored a little bit is in the um the novelizations of the first 3 films. There is a um there's a sort of, yes, I have the novelizations of the first three. Films. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> but in the in the sort of book, they're, they're kind of short, but there's a sort of a prequel thing where it really explains Freddy's life and why he became what he was and stuff like that and goes into the idea of who is um, being looked after by a pimp and his associations between pain and sex and stuff like that. Apart from that, it's never really referenced, certainly not referenced in like the TV series or any of the, you know, maybe there is some expanded universe stuff out there somewhere maybe a comic or something where it's referenced but i don't know about it it's it's just not part of the film so for to to take this remake and just go this is not going to be a remake of the first film this is going to be a retrospective thing where it's a girl chasing down freddie because of what happened to her when she was a, a child is quite a fucking big step i think mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily a step that i want i want to see in a nightmare on elm street film
2: especially when it's handled as
0: shoddily as it is here, yeah. Well, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, it, it, it's just shoddy is 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 the word here. I mean, like, th- I, one one thing that also gets me, and I, I mean, Donna saw this in the cinema as well, but then and then hasn't seen it since, and she said herself, "Oh yeah, the bits where it turns red, and you just know every time when it changes colour, they're in a nightmare straight mm-hmm. away." Mm-hmm. That. That is fucking lame. I mean, one, I mean it, it, one of the simplest things they could they could do with this is just keep the whole "is it a dream? Is it not" thing. You yeah. know, just just that's not hard. That's not hard. And yet here, it's just like the, um, I mean, the moment in the beginning with the diner, where suddenly it's just a completely different colour. There's, a, I mean, there's a moment where Quentin falls asleep in the coffee shop and he wakes up and then it's just a completely different colour. And it just, I mean, straight away, that that whole thing. And then with the micro sleeps again, you know, they don't change the colour because they don't have to because they could just do jump scares. You know, there, there's none of these sequences are really four out, and it just straight away it goes, I mean there's the moment where the, the blonde girl, who by the way looks a good decade older than her character does Yes, has,
1: she does I, I
0: mean, it, it, like, these, that
1: is, She is not a high school student I yeah, mean
0: like seriously, she looks like she's in her late 20s Yeah. It's brutal Which is, and, which is strange,
1: because at the time
2: she was one of the youngest of the cast
0: Really? I that, so, that, right? I, I just that, that, The casting director fucked the dog completely yes. on this film I I wouldn't
1: call her a dog, but he definitely fucked her.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) absolutely. Um, uh, It's just like there's the moment where she falls asleep in the classroom, and then suddenly it's just like, and it turns into the it just turns all grey and CG straight away. Just fuck you, Nightmare on Elm Street remake.
2: Yeah. Yes, I I will. I would totally agree with that. I think we're we, we're pretty much I I can pretty much guess where it's going to be, but where
1: uh, is it? Everybody... Uh, oh, and also, sorry, oh. one other
0: thing: the blonde girl falls asleep at her boyfriend's funeral. Yes, <laughs> I thought that. Like, really? Like she she hasn't been getting plagued by Freddie for that long because her boyfriend's only just fucking died. I, I I I I would like to think, unless I have uh, I, I don't know, unless I have some sort of mental illness. I, 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 I pray Donna doesn't die before me but if she does I'm not going to fall asleep at her fucking funeral no. you know if, if I do I deserve to go to I deserve to be fucked by Freddy for eternity if I do that you know what I mean no. I, oh, that, that bit as you can tell really fucking bothered me but there, there were loads of moments about this film oh, it's a pile of fucking definitely shit it's the most definitely shit film we've ever talked about on dude and a monkey
2: it is definitely definitely shit. Uh no, are you are you definitely it's... not shit or definitely
1: shit. This is is it's this film goes back to where it was a week ago for me. It's it's Terminator 3. It's um you know it it it's, it doesn't exist to me. So it's it's Die Hard 4, it's Terminator 3. This film does not exist in this franchise for me. It's definitely shit it's so shit that i will now go back to forgetting that it exists
0: and i mean to be fair it, it, it's basically been forgotten anyway like yeah. it, it, it even in this batch of horror remakes no one no one talks about it and it's only no one's talks on. about it.
1: nobody's even mentioned a sequel from what i can remember i don't remember it ever even coming up
0: no, no, and I, it, 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 I mean, that's the thing. This is, it's like the Hitcher remake. Um, it's, it's just one of those ones that is completely, or like the remake of Dark Water that, you know, it just came out, did nothing, went away, no one ever talks about it. I don't think like like Friday
1: Thirteenth well. Sorry. So I was just saying, it's like the Friday Thirteenth remake. Even though
0: there, there's sequel talk about that now, though. So yeah, and apparently it's going to incorporate found footage. Oh, oh. that just sounds horrible.
1: I like
0: that. I'll watch it. But I mean, in, in, ter- it, yeah. <laughs> in terms of just kind of like summing up the franchise as a whole, I, I mean, you were saying earlier on though, about how some people have Halloween and the Friday the 13th films as, as their favorites, like in terms of these three franchises. Mm. I mean, it, I, I, I do think Nightmare on Elm Street for me is my favorite franchise. I mean, I've now seen every single film of all these franchises and just, I mean like the Friday, the 13th films, a lot of them are pretty much the exact same film done again um the halloween films they i mean some of them are just terrible terrible, yeah. terrible fucking films uh, i mean this th- 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 i mean *Freddy's dead is and, and the nightmare on Elm street remake are by far the worst but the rest of them i think kindly on them and I, i'm really surprised given just how many of these there are mm mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I, mean, I absolutely I enjoy them. I enjoy them all except Fred. Uh, except Freddy's dead, and obviously, as as we've established, this remake doesn't exist to me. So, I enjoy them all except Freddy's dead. So you can't say that about. I mean, there are there's a couple of Friday the Thirteens I've not seen, and I kind of want to go through them all uh, soon. I'm collecting them all on on video because I want to go through them that way. Oh, um, nice. And the Halloween movies. I think when you get to sort of four, five, and six, they get real. They get like. Uh, second rate sort of sci fi TV, dire. Like, they get really dire. Um, so, I don't even think they're in the same ballpark, to be honest with you. But, yeah, it's a, it's a strong franchise, I think.
2: Yeah, I, I'd, I'd certainly agree. I think I said it earlier when we were discussing it uh, in the earlier episodes. It is out of. Because you've got the big three franchises essentially, haven't you? You've got this, the, the Friday films, the Halloween films. You know, you do have like the Hellraiser movies and stuff like that that are other sort of popular and you know, long horror franchises, but I think you, you, you'd be hard-pressed to argue that, that they are the three big ones. And Nightmare on Elm Street, for me, is, is, is easily my favourite out of them. I love some of the Halloween movies more than I love some of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Um, I, I, I like some of the Friday the 13th movies, but there's not a single one in there that I have a genuine affection for, whereas with Nightmare on Elm Street, there is. And Throughout the entirety of, of, of whenever we've uh, we've talked about these films, uh, I have sat next to me on my bedroom window ledge. Uh, I have a, a die-cast figure of uh, Freddy Krueger. Um, actually, strangely enough, uh, I've just noticed he's um, stood with his claw hand behind um, a little Buddha that I've got, which is quite strange. Yes. And also on the same little, uh, on his stand is uh, a... A toe with green uh,
1: nail polish. I know the, di- I know the dichotomy
0: the of Mark Foster, <laughs> right
1: there. Sorry. <laughs> Just on the sort of the franchise thing as well. I mean, I know you you did this remake instead of doing the Freddy versus Jason thing, but um, I tend to watch uh, little bits of the um, Never Sleep Again documentary every now and again. Like I'll just watch half an hour here and half an hour there. So I've kind of seen it an awful lot. One of my favourite facts of that documentary, which is a brilliant documentary. If you've not seen that, it's a you know is it four hour four hour documentary? It's a yeah. fucking great documentary. Um, and covers all the Nightmare on Elm Street films. My favorite little factoid of that is that at one point in Freddy versus Jason, there was a script knocking about where, because they couldn't decide how the who was going to win. Was it going to be Freddy? Was it going to be Jason? There was going to be a moment where they were both fighting, and all of a sudden a chain would snap onto Jason's arm, and a chain would snap onto uh, Freddy's arm, and then on their other arms as well, and they'd be pulled down into hell. And they'd just be stood there amongst these flames, and out of the flames would come Pinhead, who'd just walk towards them and say, "Now, gentlemen, what seems to be the problem? Fates black." <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you fucking hell, if I was, if I'd have gone into the cinema not knowing that and that would have happened, I just would have, I just would have jumped off a bridge on the way home because I just would have been, that's it for me. Sure, yeah. I'm... <laughs> I'm as happy as I'm ever gonna get. And that is it. Uh, I mean, Goodbye, world.
2: Freddy vs. Jason does contain one of my favourite lines in cinema history, and it's where they're all talking about the fact that it's Freddie and Jason, they've worked it out. and The lead girl, sort of, everyone's talking, she goes, hang on a minute, stop, stop everybody, wait a minute, one of them died by fire, one oh, of them yeah. died by water. How can we, How use, can we it? use this? How can we use this? Well, I watched it in the cinema, and at that point, I, I actually started clapping. I was at that point, and <laughs> I was like, that's brilliant, that's brilliant, Um, so many people looked like I was a crazy person. And I was the only person in that entire screening that was enjoying the shit out of that movie. I walked out of that movie just throwing popcorn up and trying to catch it in my mouth. I was that happy with that movie.
1: It's also nice to see Kelly Rowland get smashed after she she calls him a faggot as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Um, and I I, I, just, I I just want to clear up as well. I think I may have said that I hope my wife dies before me. I I just want to clarify. I meant the other way round.
2: <laughs> I, I I did actually think you said that, but yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah no. I ju- I just want to say I I yeah no. I I hope my wife doesn't die. There you go. Just I'll leave it there. Sorry.
2: Cool. Right. Uh, well, that was the <laughs> that was the end of our, uh, our <laughs> night marathon on Elm Street uh, series. Ian, what's our next series? <laughs> Fuck knows. Fuck knows. We don't know. Um, <laughs> but,
0: but we will Sorry, do I soon. thought I was supposed to have come up with something then. No, I'll I just put, I'll
2: just put you in the spot to see if you came up with something in some kind of weird kind of like, blah, there. Monkey um, movies, we'll, I don't
0: know.
2: We'll, we'll, we'll work some out. Um, Noel, thank you very much for, for joining us. Uh, and I understand you do actually have something to plug as well. Oh, yeah, I do,
1: actually. Nice one, Mark. Yeah. Um... Yeah thanks thanks for having me first of all it's a pleasure I'm 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 fucking loving the show at the moment it's probably one of my favorite podcasts in fact it is yeah it is currently my favorite podcast yes, um you. and yeah keep keep up with the tangents man cuz I fucking love the tangents <laughs> we are a you, like, podcast talk... no i just love hearing you talk about a movie and then going off and talking about box office and formats and and fucking steel box and stuff it's ace um yeah, I might as well plug, I actually finally got my podcast, my latest podcast up this week. I don't do them very often, but I try and put the effort in on them when I do. And this one's been a fucking behemoth, so it's taken me months to do. Obviously, I had a child in the meantime, but, um, and it's the, yeah, it's another episode of Adventures in VHS, but it's focused specifically on a filmmaker from my part of the world, uh, Manchester who like in the early eighties just decided fuck it we're gonna we're gonna pick up a video camera and we're just gonna make action movies and um, yeah it's all about him his name's Cliff Twemlow and he's sadly been forgotten and his films are kind of awesome and everybody should go and watch GBH and everybody should go and download that podcast and tell me what they think uh, yeah so it's sort of a documentary thing it's much of it is is me talking so obviously it's not a full-on documentary but there's a few interviews in there loads of clips reviews and talking about the history of the films that he made what went right what went wrong and 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 all that other good stuff so yeah hopefully people will enjoy that
0: very cool cool right cool um
2: right we're gonna go um Actually, I think we're finished now, aren't we? No, we'll, we'll probably go back into the future again because we'll have uh, Twitter questions. Twitter and questions, uh, yeah. We might even reveal um, within the next sort of 10 minutes of show what we're actually going to cover for our next marathon. Uh, so thank you very much, Noah, for joining us. Nice one, bud. See you soon. Cool. Right, you ready to get into the usual suspects thing? Do it. Cool. Right, that was the uh, the final part of that night marathon on Elm Street. Um... I, we I, we still don't know what our next marathon is doing yet, Ian. Uh, no, I, I, I you know I don't know I don't
0: know. We're gonna we're gonna have to think. I don't think we're gonna have one in time for
1: the next no, show. We, we,
2: we'll see. We'll, we'll see if we can get one in time for the next show. We'll see if we can decide tomorrow and see if we can get it watched over the weekend. But if not, we might. We, we, we don't know. We'll see how we get on. We'll see how we get on. Um, right now, before we go to. Um, this is strange doing it like this with a break because it feels like we're rushing but we're really not (laughs) Um,
0: uh,
2: Noel uh, put out on Facebook Noel Mello, we we just heard a minute ago put out on Facebook an article to uh, Brian Singer did a Twitter Q&A which I completely missed, didn't know he was doing Um, and he answered questions and uh, somebody asked the question uh, if you could recast the usual suspects now, who would you cast? um Good question. Oh, it's perfectly good question. And I'm all for the, the idea of the fantasy recast, right? Uh, I think it, it's fun. Uh, I'm sure it was on an earlier episode of this podcast, or if it was on an episode of 35 and Heroes, or even Average Dudes, um, we did a, a recasting of The Godfather. Uh, and it, it, it's fun to do that, to look at films sort of almost sort of 20 years or 30 years later and say, right, who would you put into into whatever roles now now I'm all for that uh, the article was on a website I don't usually like to go to but that's not my issue here is my issue Right, like, I'm just going to go through um,
0: you hate gay people I, no, I, I, I I, have a lot of respect for the gay community you just found out that Brian Singer is gay and you are furious is he? I, yeah.
2: I, 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 I generally didn't know that good on him Good on him. I would.
0: I think he is. Do I, 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 you know what? I didn't know that. Uh, but gay means when they when they don't eat meat. Yes,
2: yeah? it, 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 it does. It they they don't eat meat, but they eat man meat. And I'm, I'm, I'm right, pretty okay, sure that's yeah. my understanding of the the homoerotic arts. Um, okay, cool. Here is a quick. I'm just, I'll quick rundown. But here is the is who um, Brian Singer would cast uh if he was recasting the usual suspects now.
0: Okay, I actually I think I know where she's oh. going now. I have been wondering, but right. okay, yeah, go on.
2: Keaton, Chris Hensworth, right? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make noises, right? to 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 basically demonstrate whether I agree. So if I agree it will be a yay. If I don't agree, it will be a family fortune style so, yeah, nice. Keaton, originally played by Gabriel Byrne, played by Chris Hensworth. Uh-uh. McManus, originally played by Stephen Baldwin, right? And is supposed to be a hard ass, essentially mercenary career criminal. Dean De uh-uh. Yeah, alright,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Jonah Hill. Uh, uh.
1: Uh, Who was he originally? Okay.
2: Pollock. Oh, Benster, okay. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> Eden, a completely insignificant character in the usual suspect, is barely even in it. Why the fuck would you waste your time casting one of the most talented young actresses out there in Jennifer Lawrence? Uh, uh. Kobe Aviashy, Michael Fassbender. Uh-uh. Agent Kuryong, Edward James, almost a man who is in his late sixties and looks like he's in his early eighties, uh-uh. and verbal, verbal, <laughs> a man who is supposed to look and act so pathetic, right, that you would believe that he is a cripple and could not be be a, 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 a master criminal. Benedict Cumberbatch. On. Yeah. Uh, uh. Fair enough. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Brian Singer is a well, well. No, let's let's look at it. Brian Singer has the capacity.
0: It's a what? It's <laughs> a what? A raging queen. It has, Say has the it. Capacity you
2: home to home. be a, a very talented filmmaker, right? <laughs> However, if he was making The Usual Suspects that film now with that cast, it would be a disaster, because none of those fit the characters that we got originally, right? <coughs> Chris Hemsworth, Gabriel Byrne. What? did That one fucking baffles me, that one. It, 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 it's like it's like he hasn't even seen the film.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. None yeah. of
2: them make sense. All of those people are wonderful, magnificent actors, right? Also, as well, this brings me to another point. This current obsession with the ensemble casting. The, the thing is, when The Usual Suspects came out, Kevin Spacey, Barista del Toro, Gabriel Byrne, Chas Palmentari, Kevin Pollak, Pete Postlethwaite, Stephen Baldwin, none of these guys were, like, recognisable household names. There's an argument yeah. to state that only maybe one one of them, maybe, is a recognisable household name now, would you say, in Kevin Spacey. None of them have actually really gone on yeah, to sure. have massive, you know, A-level, not like superstar Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise A-level, but regular you know, Mark Wahlberg-level A-level careers, with the exception of Spacey. You know.
0: I think Del Toro did for a time. time.
2: he did, but then, you know, he's, you know, I would say he, he's the one who was up there, but there's a, there's a very strong argument to, I think to make that it's baldwin Byrne, Terry um and Pollux it, it, it's all of their their career high and let's not forget the User suspects I think is an incredible movie it's it, it's one of the best who done it you know suspense films you know not just of its time but ever you, you know the, the Kaiser Sose thing has become you know a byword for fooling people, you know, in cinematic speak. Um, and just, none of those recastings from the man who made it makes sense. It it baffles me that he, that, that that's who he would cast. It just, it, and it, it's the, obs- the obsession with everybody now. You have to have a recognisable face to to everything. There's no right, I'm going to put this guy in it. I'm not I'm going to bring somebody new in it. Or, well, that guy, you know, i would just cast somebody new in it. I know he maybe had, like, a couple of minutes to think about it and type it, but it's just, they just don't make sense. So, what I asked Ian to do, uh, and I've done the same thing, is to give an idea of, of who we would recast in The Usual Suspects. And um, First of all, Ian... Am I crazy, or is that casting a little bit weird?
0: Yeah, no, it's fucked. It sounds like he literally, just the first names that came into his head, he just went for... Like
2: like, like he had uh, Empire in front of him, and he just flicked through it and went, oh, Chris Hemsworth, Uh, uh, Don John, Uh, Fenster, Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and just went like that. Right, so uh, who who have you cast then, um, going through the list? Should we, should we do it all yours, or should we do yours, mine for the character, and then go like that?
0: Do, do a mix yeah, if, if you want, want. yeah, go, yeah go, sure. Go, we'll mix it
2: up a little bit. Who's your Keaton?
0: Which one's he, Keaton? Is
2: Gabriel Byrne.
0: Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know why, to be honest, really, but... I, I like
2: to think Josh Brolin would do all right in that kind of role. That's that that's a good one, yeah. That's a very good one. I had uh, that's that's the one that I really struggled with, to be honest. Um, so I put Ed Norton in it, but I think yours is better. I don't know. I think it's just I, I a think show. I I I'd like Josh. I think Josh Brolin would do that quite well, actually. Yeah, I like that. Um, McManus. Who do you have, for McManus? Who? The,
0: Which one's McManus? Stephen yeah. Baldwin.
2: Not. Fucking Dane DeHaan, who's a wonderful actor, but let's face it, he's what, 90 pounds dripping wet. Uh
0: Place Beyond the Pines co-star, Ben Mendelssohn. Um,
2: a good shout, I could see him doing that. Um, I went for funny enough, I went for Sam Rockwell. Fair cop. Um
0: yeah.
2: on that. Uh Hockney, who is Kevin Pollock's character.
0: Uh I do you know what I didn't
2: actually get one. For I, I went for uh, Kim Coates.
0: Oh, I yeah 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 uh, yeah,
2: that's a good shout. The way and I, I, the way I came up with mine is I thought of the scene that I best remember each character from, and then used that scene to put them into it, and to recast them in my brain, and that's how I did it. So, hotly mine was Kim Coates. Fenster, who would you go for?
0: Shalto Coakley. Because he could do some fucked up things with his yes,
2: voice. Yes, I, I, I went for James Franco.
0: Actually,
2: that's I, I, I think yours. I think Shelter Copley's better. That's a good one, that one. I, know, I prefer
0: James Franco um, myself. If Edie,
2: I'm... I didn't even put one. And it's not because I don't like actresses. It's just because I, I, I it, she's barely... It is It is a it's nothing a role. You're cast right. Cast somebody new. Or cast somebody's wife. Cast Jim. Girlfriend cast a man wearing a dress. It doesn't
0: matter. I mean, like you need. Bro, to be fair, somebody like just innocuous and bland, like Rosamund Pike, yeah. would probably be all yeah. right
2: for that. that. There we go. That she can be in it. Our remake of *Usual Suspect*. There you go, Rosamund Pike. Um, Kobayashi, who was Pete Postlethwait.
0: <sighs> the thing is, I think Pete Postlethwait. I mean, he's dead, yeah. obviously, but I don't know. He, he. I actually don't know who, who you'd replace him with because uh, you need someone who's quite off feet but kind of classy, classy as well.
2: Understated. Would seem like they... The, 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 I looked at him and thought somebody who wouldn't seem um, intimidated by those guys at all.
0: But like Adrian Brody or something. I went something. for Frank Langella. Oh, fair problem. Yeah, all right, uh, That's a
2: good
0: show.
2: Just, I, just because I thought Frank Langella works because he's like an American Pete Postle player. Mm. Um, Agent Cuyon, who was played by Chaz uh, Palmenteri in the original. Fuck it. Um,
0: Michael Rappaport. I don't know
2: why. I just I like the I, idea uh, of Michael Rappaport having a go at the person who's my yeah. That is a good one. I went for Jamie Fox. Based oh, on gosh. do you know what it was based on the the line where he where Chad Terry basically and Kunal basically says, "Do I know why I'll beat you and I'll get it out of you? It's because I'm smarter than you," and it, it's that and I could imagine Jamie Foxx being able to deliver that line. Wonderfully,
0: yeah, sure. That's yeah, and, okay. Uh, I like that's, that.
2: That's why I went for Jamie Fox on that one. Uh, go on then. Who's your verbal? Because your verbal. If if you get verbal wrong, and let's be honest, Benedict Cumberbatch, who is what six foot two and quite imposing yeah. looking and very yeah. very recognisable, right? Yeah. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is a wonderful actor, but he can never be a, a, a classic character actor. Because he's quite recognisable. Who did you go for?
0: Okay, you need someone who could look yep. weak, but could be quite intimidating if he had the force of intelligence behind yep. him. Uh, and just, like, someone you'd never ever yep. think. Richard Jenkins.
2: Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a really good one. I love Richard Jenkins as well. Oh, I thought I had you with my own. John
0: Hawkes. Yeah, you see, that's good as well, though. Yeah, that's the yeah. I think
2: we've both done pretty fucking well there, actually. Yeah,
0: that's good.
2: I, I like
0: that. both of those. It's just I was trying to think of an older actor, you know, like who's it doesn't look feeble, but doesn't look. Yeah. He's not like like Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad. He's not like i don't Do you watch Breaking I Bad? I
2: don't. My shame.
0: Yeah, okay, this, this, this guy. Badder. Yeah, uh, there's, there, anyone who sees Breaking Bad, uh, who watches Breaking Bad, Mike in Breaking Bad, he's this old, old guy, but he also looks like he could probably kick the shit out of you quite easily. Yeah. And I wasn't going there. I was going for uh, yeah, so yeah. But that that's a good shout, man. I like that, John. Yeah. So that
2: was that. That was our um, our little. Um, go at recasting the usual suspect, uh, which was just based on the fact that for some reason that article really irked me. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, the, 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 the
0: thing is, I mean, I'm thinking about the Michael Rappaport thing, and I, what I like about that is the fact that I kind of think he should be bigger no, than oh, he I is. I
2: absolutely agree. Michael Rappaport had like, a little period where he was just brilliant, and he was in everything for a while. Mm. Right, cool, um, Right, let's go to uh, Twitter questions. I enjoyed doing that usual best thing. Uh, yeah, right, thing, right. If you're yeah. listening, um, we we do better. That's what I'm going to say. We do better.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, right, let's get to Twitter questions. Let's see if I can find them. I've
0: Have you got, got them?
2: Oh, I'll, I'll let you go then.
0: Okay, so we've only got a couple today, but it's midweek, so we'll let people off. Uh, at Very Cinematic, what's your favourite use of a Lou Reed track in cinema?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. And uh, th- there's an obvious one, but I think it's just too obvious, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I'm thinking it's too obvious as
2: well, yeah, to the, be honest. The obvious one there would be um, train spotting, but I, I just think uh-huh. it's, it's too obvious. Um, try to have a, have a think of what, which else I can remember. One, it, it's quite a prominent part of Adventureland, isn't it? Is yeah, it? The, the whole um.
0: Brian oh Ferdinand's yeah, yeah, no, he's, yeah. Uh, you know, he's
2: yeah. it, it, based around the fact that he once played with Lou Reed, except he keeps getting the um the title of the song wrong. And then at the end of it, uh, Jesse Eisenberg calls him on it. Uh, and I was very shocked at how much I enjoyed Events because I thought it, it looked terrible. And then when I actually watched it, I actually had a lot of affection for it. So I'm going to go with that.
0: I I don't know, to be honest. I'm just having a look through. And I mean, like, to be honest, *Train Spotting* was the one that came to mind. So I, I would have to say *Train Spotting*, but it... I don't know. I it's like he's got. I mean, obviously he's got. Fuck. He's got 152 soundtrack credits on IMDb for Christ's sake. Um, but yeah, I, I what did he doing? Rock and roller. What year was Rock and roller? That was a while back now, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, be like 2008
0: maybe. Performer the gun. I don't know what that is. I I I don't know. Sorry to be shit, but my bad. Uh, right, what was the next one? Yeah. Um, okay, favourite, uh, this is at Ethan Bar 2, favourite mid-credit slash post-credit sting inspired by Four. Bueller. What? Bueller. The film's over now, go oh, on.
2: Oh, yes. That's a good shout, that, yeah. Um, uh, or Airplane. Airplane's a good one.
0: Airplane's fucking amazing. What is it like? Well, I'll give him 20 minutes, but then I'm going. it's fucking great. Yeah. um, I liked the 18 ones
2: just because it made me smile.
0: Even though that, like, if you watch the extended cut on Blu-ray, that sequence is edited back into the
2: fucking film. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's a played over the end credits in Empire Records. Um and AJ and who is it? Uh one of the other characters, um, Eddie, uh are having a conversation about um who have better baselines uh between Primus and somebody else and that always made me smile. For some reason.
0: I like the post credit sting of Titanic when Jack is revealed to still be alive um, as he cut through the skin of a penguin and swam to shore using the penguin's skin as that, heat. That, that was a good approach. That,
2: really, that should have been a sequel, to be honest. They could have made an entire film out of that. Really, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think that's all we have for questions, do This we? Yep. Fuckers. This week. Um, right. Well, that's, that's the end of the show, then. I, I suppose, seeing soon we're going to have two questions. Uh, thank you very much for those two questions. Um, for shame, everybody else. Um, yes. What are we reviewing next week, Ian?
0: We are reviewing Jim Mickle's latest, which I'm very, very excited about. We Are What We Are, the remake of the uh, cannibal horror film that um, was quite a big hit on the genre film circuit a couple of years ago. It's uh, the State Land Director's new one. And, uh, yeah, looking forward right
2: to it. You really liked We Are We Are, didn't you?
0: I oh, fuck it, yeah. I've only seen it the once. I saw it at Fright Fest, but I was a yes, big
2: fan. I, and I, whoa, I, I saw it at Grim Fest, but the the projection of it wasn't
0: great, we'll say. Oh, yeah, the, the projection done by me. So that yeah, wasn't, your, that my... wasn't
2: your fault, though, was it? When it's something to do with no. the... They, they'd sent completely the wrong lens or something like that. It...
0: It was, it was, uh, well, actually, we are what we are. It was basically where they put the reels together. They, um, they, it looked like they hadn't cleaned up the splicer. So when you, you spliced bits together and when they were like, uh, when there were lab splices that needed taken out and whatnot, where they kind of put the reel back together again, they hadn't fully punched holes through the perforations so when it did those bits it would keep on skipping so then the picture would just go, like, get out of frame That was
2: it, yeah, and also well, I think it was the last film of the festival as well, yeah. um, I think I'd watched, like, I'd watched all but like one film and I was a little bit kind of filmware weary and just tired so I'm going to try and watch that again before i watched the the remake just because
0: Blimey, i am feeling
2: that it might be one of those things where it's not that i didn't like it i just wasn't in the right frame of mind for it sure. um so thank you very much for listening that was episode 40 uh we might have a marathon next week we might have a marathon break we might uh, rest our our legs um just because we haven't thought of anything um yes. so thank you very much for listening uh as always, you can get in touch with us uh, at Dude and the Monkey on Twitter at DudeFoz, at Ian Loring, uh, DudeandMonkey at Gmail dot com. Um, if you have any questions you can think of throughout the week, please fire them at us. And I'm saying that, and I'm thinking we might have actually got a question during the week. Oh, really? We might have, or I might be imagining it. No, I was imagining it with him.
0: <laughs> nope. Oh, no. Uh, would you want... Uh, Chris Ward at Smith? Would you want to see Jackie O'Haley in another Freddy film helmed by Wes Craven? Um, no. Sorry, Sorry. Chris. Um, yeah, no, we just saw that. Um, that's an interesting I don't, I don't one. Um, I don't
2: know, you see. I, would I like to see the idea of Jackie O'Haley um, as, as Freddie... In maybe a darker version of a Nightmare on Elm Street, yes. Would I like to see what Jackie O'Hare did uh, with um, Samuel Bayer's idea of Freddy? Probably not. But then again, yeah. Wes Craven directs the movie, and Samuel Bayer directs the uh,
0: movie.
2: I have a feeling that Craven will be able to get a lot more out of it. I've
0: got an idea for a marathon. Oh, nice. Go on then, magic. Christmas genre films. So, Christmas
2: films that aren't Christmas films.
0: So, like, yeah, like... Horrors or sci-fis or, like, comedies that are, like, are Christmas films but aren't Christmas films.
2: I think we could work with that. Let's draw... We'll we'll draw up a list.
0: I'll say if we skip it next week and then start it the week after... I'm 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 down with that shit. What would we call it, Chris Marathon? Chris Marathon. We'll
2: think of of something punny. Chris Marathon.
0: Marathon, yeah. Chris Chris Marathon. A marathon of Chris. Chris Marathon. There we go. Nah, no, I don't like that. Tweet us your suggestions for punny names. names
2: based on our genre Christmas marathon because if.
0: And also ideas for what yes, films. Yes, any, and
2: any films that you'd like us to cover. Um, thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, and we shall speak to you next week.
0: Cheers. Shall do. By the way, I think we're going to have to do Black Christmas to start. Well, not to start with, maybe, but we, we have to do yes, Black, Black Christmas.
2: Christmas yeah. I think Man. we both voted as our favourite Christmas movie. Fuck yes.
0: yeah.
2: Bye. Bye. <laughs>